and welcome to episode 125 of the 1099 for the week of December 25th, 2017 Christmas podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and I'm both excited and terrified to say that today is the third annual The 1099 Game of the Year show. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that means we're going to take a big old list of games, fight for what we think should be in the top 10, and then order that list the best we can. Just to be clear, this really isn't your average games media site game of the year list. Uh, we all tried to play as much as we could leading up to this show, but there will be some games we argue for that the other half of the cast hasn't played, or maybe just one person has played. There will be games missing that we might play next year that we'll love and wish we had on this list, but more than anything, the last two years, and hopefully this year too, this has been more of a list of great games that meant something to us in 2017 that will hopefully open some people's eyes to games that they might have missed. Uh, and to introduce the cast, uh, arguing for all of these games is a familiar group of people. First, we have returning guest, podcaster, past game spotter, current freelancer, future author, Tom McShay. Tom, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great, Josiah. I'm a, I'm a little sick, so pardon my voice. <laughs> You're saying there won't be as much passion for, um, <laughs> let's say, certain games. I was about to say Splunky. Like we could still do. Oh, Splunky's Splunky's game of the year. We already know that. Okay. We're look, we're going for number two in this list. I don't know if I can have you back on when Splunky two comes out because I don't know if I'll be able to actually like <laughs> have the passion to argue against it. Uh, next, we have the managing editor at Feminist Frequency, a podcaster, streamer, writer, and also returning guest, Carolyn Pettit. Carolyn, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a it's a you know one thing I miss not being at at Gamespot anymore is the annual just like really heated intense arguments about video games so i'm glad that i get to still get a little bit of that in my life each year through this process you know just really just arguing about games like so intensely you know getting angry and upset with people you like you know it's it's just (laughs) it's wonderful it's a wonderful experience process is the right word for and thankfully we haven't gotten too angry at each other yet Uh, shockingly (laughs) by the end of it Maybe it's because it's like two and a half hours in. We're like, just give it to this game. This will be fine. Yeah, but most it's fine, of the time, it's most of the time, yeah, yeah it, it's it's been okay. Uh, yeah. Lastly, is a game designer and writer for Divinity: Original Sin Two, former Gamespot reviews editor, and returning guest, but first time Game of the Year show panelist, Kevin Van Ord. Kevin, are you ready to do this today? Hello. Well, ready is a loaded word, right? <laughs> uh, I'm here, and that implies a certain amount of readiness. Mm-hmm. I'm a little. I'm a little. Uh, I, uh, hungover is the word most people use. Uh, we had our big, so we had our big holiday party last night. It was very exciting and I'm feeling sleepy. So I'm just going to power yeah. through it. We're See, all I'm, in fantastic shape for this. this yeah. Is exciting. yeah. I'm amped yeah. up and ready to go. I'm like almost yeah. second cup of coffee. Everyone's tired and hungover. I feel like this is the perfect time for me to like, <laughs> get my game to be just number one power. this year. Just like run ramshot over us. Just we won't even be able to stop you. This is great. By the way, Overwatch is going to win this year again. That's yep. really the story about all of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to recap the last two years, it was Bloodborne was our first game of the year winner. And then Overwatch was the next year. Um, we... We have a big list of games. Let's go down this list of games, um, right. and then we'll g- get into yeah, this. Yeah. So here we go. All right. Game of the Year contenders for 2017. We have Resident Evil 7, Neo, What Remains of Edith Finch, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Surge, Dead Cells, which actually technically isn't out this year, but we can get to that later, Player Unknowns, Battlegrounds, Nidhogg 2, Pyre, Destiny 2, <laughs> Persona 5, Hellblades, The Newest Sacrifice, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Prey, 
The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Steam World Dig 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Night in the Woods, Near. Okay, is it is it Automata or is it Automata? Mm-hmm. Automata. Okay, all right, all right, cool. First one's right. Butterfly Soup, Divinity Original Sin 2, Mario plus Ravis Kingdom Battle, Cold Set Revolt, Uncharted the Lost Legacy, <laughs> Hidden My Game by Mom 2, Universal Paperclips, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Songbringer, The Evil Within 2, Assassin's Creed Origins, and the Final Fantasy XII remake, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> boy. It's the official title that I wrote things. in there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, again, this is uh, a lot of these games, some of us have played, some of us haven't. Um, there's still a lot I wish I could have gotten to this year, but it's hard to play that many video games. And also there's been a lot of stuff that has come out this year. So the process for this as of right now, it's going to remain the same as last year, which is a crazy process, but it's kind of worked so far where I will start by picking out one of these games and making my case for why I think it should be in the top 10. Um, and I'm going to start in a little bit of a weird place because it's actually going to be directly at the top of the list, which wasn't my initial intention, but here we are. Uh, everyone, I think Resident Evil 7 Ooh. is one of the 10 best games of 2017. And if you told me that I would make this case... At the start of the year, I would have said you were crazy because I'm not a horror game person, which is ironic because the first game with my name in the credits is a horror game. But it, working on a horror game gave me this greater appreciation for sound design, for tension building, for mm. pacing that comes with this genre. And Resident Evil 7, in my mind, is strong in all of those areas. And it's much more about earning the scares, about building this atmosphere, about leading you to something messing with your expectations, sometimes giving you what you want, sometimes not giving you what you want, but delivering it a different way later. And it's not hitting you over the head with that stuff that I think a lot of horror games do. There's there's plenty of mystery early on. And it, it's funny, Resident Evil as a franchise is not really known for its clever puzzles. It's very often, please put this dog-shaped key in this dog-shaped hole in this door. Um, but the real mystery of the game is the story. It's It's not really knowing what's real what's fake what's with this family at one point it's either your leg or your arm i think it's your leg that gets like chopped off and you grab it and put some sort of liquid on it and it reattaches and that really establishes early on like what is going on here is any Mm -hmm. of this real am i in this bizarre dream and that was the puzzle that was fun for me each family member has this different sort of gameplay style you think about the dad which is this bruiser who early on is just following you at all times you never feel safe you think about the brother who almost has these saw style puzzles that you're getting through you think about that creepy mom character who also becomes a semi spider and there's these really terrifying moments where you're trying to sneak around her but you never ever feel safe uh it I think one main thing that I'll, that'll maybe be a theme of the games that I nominate is, uh, there's this personal side to it that because of the way I played it, I enjoyed it more. I didn't play it with VR, but what I did is I share played the entire thing with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, pre- maybe because I don't think I would have been able to survive through that game by myself. I was so terrified. It was kind of like really spicy food where you're enjoying it and you want to get through it, but you cannot make it all the way because you're just like, I it's just too spicy. And that was Resident Evil 7 for me with how scary it was. So I, I brought a friend in and he was, you know, laughed along with me. He freaked out along with me. And it was this really memorable experience for me that I think the game goes on about three hours too long. I think they show a little bit too much of their hand by the end and some of the things would have been better left unsaid. But 
just overall, it's I'm not a huge Resident Evil fan. I've, I like four, but that's about it. This was one of my surprises of the year. It's one of my favorite experiences of the year, and I think it's one of the ten best games, either VR or outside of VR, of 2017. That's my Resident Evil 7 argument. I hear what you're saying, and I don't think it should be on the list. <laughs> oh, man! <laughs> wow! I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Has <laughs> uh, yeah. anyone else played Resident Evil 7? <laughs> I, I played the first few hours and was definitely um, taken by it. You know, it was... It was um, the, the sort of... After the... after how kind of massive and overblown the Resident Evil series, you know, especially by six, had really started to feel the the kind of claustrophobic nature of this one and just being, like, in this house um, uh, was really powerful. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I was just thrilled to see the series clearly, you know, knowing that it had pushed what it was doing before about as far as it could go and probably farther even than that and like way too far and kind of trying something different bring you know reining things back in somewhat and um mm-hmm. so i uh you know and even though i didn't uh finish it i i did really um enjoy the what i did play of it so and i do feel like you know it has potential to be um uh, you know pretty special game so so i'm i, I feel like this is the well i didn't really finish it podcast anyway yep. uh it, for various reasons uh among us no doubt so let's just get that out of the way first so so that people understand that i think because uh, i yeah. did what caro did i played uh a number of hours of resident evil 7 but there came a there, there came a point where i where i started invested and my level investment actually started to diminish um, I, I don't have really any good explanation for that. Um, whether it be other games were more interesting to me at the time. The other thing though, is that I think that there's a, 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 a horror game that came out in 2017 that made a much bigger impression on me. So RE7 does not get my vote because I think I've come up with some kind of arbitrary rule that there must only be one horror game on this list <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going for the other one. So, uh, oh man, but, and, but also let's but, remember that Resident Evil 6 also spawned possibly the greatest backlash in my, in my, uh, critical career. And so perhaps I'm not coming at this with complete objectivity. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bless. so there is that. <laughs> It's like this and Original Sin 2 that you cannot come at with a complete objectivity. Oh, no. I can can come to Original Sin 2 with absolute complete objectivity and say it's not only (laughs) the game of the year, but certainly the game of 2018 and 2019 and probably even 2016 when it was still in early access. So, (laughs) So I'm just saying that if you guys had any objectivity, clearly Divinity Original Sin 2 will be on the list. Oh, but man. what do I know? I'm the one who gave Resident Evil 6 a 4.5. So I think that's too high for Resident Evil Pro- 6 to be probably, honest with you. Probably, I would have probably dropped that 5.5 out of there in retrospect. Yeah. It's like, uh, that game was a tire fire. Uh, which makes Resident Evil 7 all the more impressive. But the last mm-hmm. game was tire fire. Resident Evil 7, just getting back to the roots in a unique way. Uh, yeah. How about... I mean, so it, Kevin's not in... Yeah. 
Caro and Tom, could, oh, no. could we yeah. – how about it bold it, we move on? I, I would say this game is too good for me to play. Uh, I can't do horror stuff, and this game is like um, as above, so below in a video game form. So, yeah. yeah, it's really good at what it tries to do, and it's terrifying. Um, I can't imagine playing this in VR. You played this in VR? No, I didn't. No, 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 no. I, it, it, it actually not at all. Shocking. Not at all. Shockingly, like oh, actually, this, no. Like, I played I, it at a friend's place. For like, yeah, for like thirty minutes on VR, and it was too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't. It's yeah. yeah. It's too much. I cannot get through that. Like just the the base game itself was terrifying for me. I'll just bold yep. it for now. Um, it might get cut in the the final round of this, but I'll mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. leave this. Uh, and. Let's go to the next person to talk about it. So on currently on my Skype, the next person would be Kara. Uh, let's see. The game that I'm going to nominate uh, uh, is um, Night in the Woods. And um, Night in the Woods, to me, is... is um, I mean, it is one of the best games of the year. It, it's not... It may not be the very best game of the year, but what it is to me is the most kind of politically urgent and necessary... Tw- like timely game of 2017, right? Because um, obviously right now we're living in the era of, of Trump um, and there's so much kind of um, r- r- racists are emboldened again. And a lot of like um, uh, sentiment again, there's a lot of xenophobia um, that's kind of rising from America's uh, uh, like, uh, um, underbelly like rising to the surface and being more like explicitly expressed um but also like in counterpoint to that you know this year you have a lot of um political movements um on the on sort of behalf of like the working class you have the fight for 15 you have a a kind of um socialist political movement that's gaining steam and you know, Night in the Woods is really, uh, it's very much a game about, um, how these political realities, I mean, obviously the game's been in development for years. It wasn't like designed to be a game about the, you know, living in the Trump era. And it's not that on the nose about it, obviously, which is good, but it does, um, it is a game that is really all about how, like, um, these, uh, political realities um, can can really not be divorced from the lives of a lot of people. It takes place in a you know like in a working class uh, like Rust Belt town where the where the jobs have kind of all dried up and a lot of people there um, sort of in a misguided way their rage their you know they they have reason to be angry and to feel um, uh, marginalized. Um, and, and disenfranchised, but their anger is often is directed at, say, oh, you know, the, the foreigners coming and taking our jobs or whatever, as opposed to like at the massive capitalist corporations that are, you know, that are, t- that are kind of just spitting them, spitting them out after, you know, using their labor for decades. And so, um, y- you know, there's, um, this game just has so many like emotional shades to it. It has um, such great uh, friendships and, and um, you know, characters who are really able to speak to 
in ways that feel, even though it's, they're like, it's an animal town, um, you know, but the, these characters feel so kind of believable in the ways that their, that their lives are kind of situated within, um, the, the sort of political realities that we're living in. So it's, it's, it's very much like a character driven story and a very kind of, it, it's engaging just on, on like a personal, level the interpersonal story of may this college dropout kind of like you know try to figure out who what who she is and what she wants to do with her life and trying to like connect with her friends and everything but but around that is you know um inevit is like inescapably this um political uh reality that speaks so so uh uh effectively and directly to the, the the moment that we are in right now in this country. It's around the top of my I wish I would have played it this mm. year games. I, I, did anyone else, I think other people in here have played it? Oh yeah, I did. Though when you said Night in the Woods, I thought you were talking about KN and I was like, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I would play Night in the Woods. I know, someone should make Night in the Woods. Yeah. And then we can compare it to Night in the Woods. No, yeah. Night in the Woods is... Uh, a game that we will talk about in five years, oh, wow. which is something you don't get uh, in tons of games. So yeah, I think I think it'll be relevant for for more than just this year. I uh, support it. Yeah. Hi. Kevin. Hi. Uh, so Night in the Woods is sort of one of my games of shame this year, especially because I consider Scott Benson, who worked on this game, uh, a friend. Uh, and I'm sorry, Scott, that I haven't finished your game, uh, <laughs> and that I only played a couple hours. So this is actually one of my holiday games that I've got lined up to oh. actually sit down uh-huh. and I'm going to restart it, um, because I feel like the only way to really be able to engage with it is to restart it from the beginning. Um, yeah. and, and to start again, uh, because it was really impressive and it was already weird. So Scott and I have some things in common about where we grew up and, this kind of thing, you know, because I, well, and Josiah, you know where I grew up. I'm so driving back home to Townville in a week. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where, you know, I I know that I'm going to develop a personal connection to it, and mm-hmm. I don't. Again, it was like the last game where it's like I don't remember exactly why I didn't continue. Probably because I was making my own game, and that tended to really <laughs> fuck fuck things up with my personal gameplay plans, <laughs> but, and also overwatch fucks that up because when I sit down and I have an hour to play, it's like, Oh, well, I'll just play some stupid overwatch again. Um, but that's, it is one of the games, um, that I'll be going, that I'll be going with this holiday to, to finish mm-hmm. up. And, uh, I look forward to agreeing with you and Tom once, <laughs> once I, once I've reached that stage, because I know that this game is going to speak to me just based on what I've played and also based on knowing how it connects with, with Caro. Um, it just strikes me as something yeah. that's going to be special. And I think it's actually a lovely holiday game, actually. It's a good game to, you know, it's, it's you could, you can, sort of think of like curling up with this game and like a cup of tea or something like it's that kind of game because you have that warm affinity for the characters and for the you know for their 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 sort of struggles their everyday struggles it's a it's a very kind of cozy um in a way like a cozy game so i think it's a perfect game to play over the holidays oh good so uh i can just get together with uh the game and we can uh, netflix and chill yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm bolding it. I, I wanted to play it before. I want to play it more now. I it looks incredible, and everything I heard about it is super interesting. So uh, I'm adding this to the boldest section. Kevin, on my Skype call, you're up next. The, now, now, see, this is where it starts getting hard because my brain is going yeah. in these circles yeah. thinking, so there are certain things... You have to be, you have to be strategic. You have to right. be tactical, like right? I, yep. I, yeah. There are certain things that I feel must show up on this list, but I'm right. afraid of being so normcore as I'm the one that brings it up because I don't want <laughs> overlooked things to be... To be forgotten, I, there there are certain games that I feel are Kevin, special this is, enough. This is our list. I know you can just ignore this, this podcast everybody. in general. These lists have been the least normcore possible. I think um, yeah. Emily is away was one of the top like three games the year it came out. We've had uh, like almost no AAA games in any of this. It's usually but been the, me where I'm like, okay, Overwatch. But the thing is, there are AAA games on my list uh, in my sure, top three. But I'm stuff. but I'm afraid of having a couple of things that I think would be forgotten left out and so yep, i'm yep, i'm yep. absolutely stressed right now yeah uh trying to <laughs> figure always... out this method is not that much of a dumpster fire it's at least okay because well, you have to be really strategic about what this. i'm gonna what i'm gonna uh-huh. say and obviously my inclination is to say oh it should be divinity original sin 2 but we all we all know i can't talk about that game in any any objective way uh and i'm see i'm secretly hoping somebody will bring it up <laughs> but we okay, so can, can I have a little bit of self padding on the back right now? Is that a, is that yeah, special? Is that course. okay? Because PC yeah. Gamer just named us Game of the Year, yeah, and so that's really exciting. And watching, so we're watching GameSpot's. So the GameSpot named us PC PC Game of the Year, um, as close as they can. They basically just have a list of the best five PC games. But it was really clear in the write up that we were their number one PC game. And they're now down to number six in their countdown of the top games, and we haven't arrived yet. So I'm really hopeful. We got a 10 from GameSpot, which is phenomenal. Uh, so I'm really, really hoping that we show up on their list. Like, I have a secret, like, top. Like, I have a guess that we'll be number four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no inside knowledge of this. It's just, like, it'd be years of being from GameSpot, you sort of have a sense of this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll just see. But anyway, yes, the next game should be Divinity Original Sin 2. But for some reason, ethicists think that that's a bad idea. <laughs> um, I think – I okay, so I'm I'm going to start being non-norm core, but then I'm going to go all norm core on all of you. Um, and also, if anybody chooses Neo, I'm putting my foot in your face. Um, but – I will not. Yeah. But I'm going to go – with what am I gonna go with? Okay, okay, I'll just I'll just do this one. It's slightly like half norm core. I'm gonna choose Hellblade Senwa's Sacrifice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Alright, so and this game has a personal you know a personal connection to me, even though I'm not actually a young woman who's who's faced uh the wrath of the Norse gods and had to have, had to solve puzzles and cool puzzles involving portals and mirrors and whatnot. But what Hellblade does, and it's, you know, a lot's been made about this, about the way that it sort of depicts the experience of mental illness. Um, and you, you mentioned, or Tom mentioned earlier about the possibility of Resident Evil 7 being too good for him to play comfortably. Uh, Hellblade is a game that is too good for me to play comfortably, but it's also why it's one of the best games of the year, in my opinion. 
Um, and it begins from the very outset. It's, I love the way the game begins and I love the way that you sort of go slowly forward, um, in, in your, your journey is beginning and you're already hearing, you're already hearing things in your head and you're hearing voices and it's, it's so unclear at this stage, whether what I'm hearing are just pieces of me or, or are these other, other things living within me. And as somebody who's, who has spent, who spent too many years struggling with mental illness and who, as somebody who's experienced audio hallucinations and as somebody who at the worst of the worst has not necessarily understood what has been the creation of his mind and what has been the creation of the external world. Hellblade was almost too good sometimes in expressing those ideas um, to the point where I had to step away quite often. I mean, by, by most accounts, Hellblade is a short game um, in the sense that you have a game with sort of AAA production values that might last you five hours or six hours or something like that. Um, and on the other hand, I had to take forever to play it because it was difficult. And because it was difficult, it also managed to remind me of a time in my life that I surpassed and that I overcame and that I triumphed over. And there's this, I don't know how many people that have suffered from illnesses like this get this feeling, but I get this feeling sometimes, which is when I go through those moments of my life again, there's almost a weird nostalgia about it, not because I miss it or because I would want to re-experience it, because it's a reminder of something that I went through and something that that I overcame and that I that I've I faced this monster and I've triumphed over it. And so there's almost comfort in knowing that now that I'm facing this monster again, even if it even if this monster might be in video game form, I know that I'm going to overcome that. And so I already have that triumphant feeling building in me. Um ha- having revisited things that one wouldn't think that I should be revisiting or even getting some kind of satisfaction of revisiting. But, but there it is, there is satisfaction in revisiting that because I know I can do it and then I do it. And it's perhaps not as fulfilling as having really done it, but, but <laughs> it's still fulfilling in and of itself. And just, you know, from another gameplay perspective, like I think it's really impressive that they, that they're one of those few games. I mean, we, we would see it as a boss game, right? A game that, that is essentially a series of bosses in a lot of cases with, with cool puzzle areas in between. Um, but uh, the last game that sort of did that in a way that was meaningful to me was Prince of Persia 2008. So uh, it's a game that also reminded me of Prince of Persia 2008 in this really strange way. And so my first nomination is Hellblade Senwa's Sacrifice. Yeah, I think this game has maybe the best or most effective sound design that I've ever, or, you know, up there, like the, the way that the sound design, uh, you really, if you're, you know, if you play with headphones, you really hear these voices swirling around you. You hear, it's, it's so incredibly effective. Uh, I think the combat, while like rudimentary and straightforward, conveys a real sense of just, of struggle, you know, you, you, it just keeps throwing enemies at you. And often that can be a bad thing in games, but, but there's a way here in which it really just f- makes you feel like you're just have to dig in your heels and grind to just fight your way through. And, uh, 
And Melina Jurgen's lead performance um, is is so raw and vulnerable and fierce, and um, it's just so, stunning. Uh, it's a stunning performance. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm right. I'm totally with you. I absolutely, I absolutely think this is one of the best games of the year. Yeah. So when people say 2017 was like this all time year, which it was, uh, this is this is the game that the that that's the reason like oh, the games God. like this it's not it's not stuff that is like super obvious and awesome that we love like um you know zelda mm-hmm. stuff like that that we're gonna remember but it's these like smaller games that made such an impact and moved in directions we never expected mm-hmm. that are really gonna stay with us and we look back we'll be like wow 2017 was really special that we had stuff like like a triple a type game that explores mental illness like this uh and does so in a fascinating way and like night in the woods like these games are so far ahead of what I've ever seen. So, yeah, this should be nominated for sure. This is on my shame list as well. It is uh, something <laughs> I've downloaded. It is on my PC. I was going to do a podcast with Ninja Theory uh, oh, after wow. playing it, but yeah. things could not line up. It was on the top of my list of, like, this is an important game. This is something I want to talk to these people about. Uh, but things got crazy for them, as you guess, after it released, and they got the reception it did. So uh, it's everything i've seen of it everything i've read of it i've tried not to spoil it for myself but i'm okay doing that because we are talking about this stuff in a spoilery context i think it absolutely belongs on here and i'm bummed that i haven't experienced it all the way through yet i'm only like 30 minutes in well caro and i did do uh, an entire podcast about it if they want to listen to the crock pot we talk well, about it for an yeah, hour cross promotion. I'm, I'm in for that i haven't there i haven't heard go. it so i need to listen yeah. to that episode this this game is very good. This is also like one of my favorite developers and a complete 180 from what I was expecting mm. from the guys who did uh, the guys and women who did uh, enslaved. enslaved is one of my and yet it's perfect games. and yet it's almost yeah. it's almost too perfect of a continuation when you start really thinking about it because they've always explored this idea of expressing emotion through you know doing it in a David Cage way except not sucking is I think kind of. <laughs> Is I think kind of what they do, you know, they really make sure that the characters express emotion in physical ways, that they move in ways that express uh, where perhaps the words wouldn't do. Um, but they do it incredibly well and they do it with, uh, with, you know, they do it with particular development in mind. And I mean, they're still doing the best facial animations in the industry. So... I just got to give it I, up for them. I don't think he ever will, but I really hope David Cage never listens to the 1099 in general because I just did an episode <laughs> with Tamur Hussein where we talked about an hour about how bad that last David Cage like trailer was. So I'm sorry. Oh, I actually man. like I actually like Heavy Rain, David Cage. So I, I liked Heavy me, Rain but... too. But look in the tra- yeah, in the no, trailer, he's wearing a coat that says Android right <laughs> on it. Subtlety, thy name is not David Cage. No, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Cage. Um, Okay, so Hellblade has been uh, bolded. I'm going to play that during this holiday break. Uh, Tom, it's your turn. Uh, So when we look back at 2017, the first game people will think about is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Because uh, not only is it... um, the 73rd game in the <laughs> franchise. Um, it is arguably the best, but if you separate this from the Zelda franchise, it is so much better than what it is because they completely reimagined what an open world game is um, uh, 15 years into like this op- 3D open world experiment that we've been... like in, Like, they made... 
a game where they kind of stripped out the objectives for the most part and made exploring a world the most important goal and the main thing you're going to do for like 50 of the 100 hours you spend with it. Uh, it's a game built on intangible rewards, mm-hmm. which is incredibly rare mm-hmm. in the AAA game space. It's like you see a mountain and you climb the mountain and there's nothing on the mountain and you are so happy that you spent a half hour trying to figure out how to get up there because it is so much fun getting up there and the view is incredible getting when you look around and then you jump off and you glide and it's just like exactly what I was imagining when I played the original Zelda when I was a kid, like finally realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am stunned at how good the game is, even though it's like it doesn't have dungeons Really, it's got, you know, the four dungeons and doesn't have much in the way of bosses. Like, the overworld is so phenomenal, and it's just, like, so difficult to go to other open-world games now when you see you can make it a game without tons of objectives and tons of stuff to do, and it's just existing in that world is all you want to do. So, yeah, I think I think this is an absolute masterpiece, and I am, like, shocked that it is a Zelda game as opposed to, like, some developer making something from scratch that didn't have the baggage of 30 years of expectations and legacy and all the other crap that goes along with that because they just like stripped out everything and they just made a game that is awesome and i'm so happy they did that so yeah i like this game (laughs) (laughs) i'd kind of forgotten how much i liked it and then the dlc the champions ballad the champions ballad just came out and you have these challenges where you know like if you take you kill everything with one hit but also you have like no health so it Anything hits you once you die, and you have these like monster camps that you have to defeat, and it just reminded me like how like kind of improvisational and alive the combat in this game feels. You know how like you know creative and and interactive you know it is, and just and oh my god, I mean the ways you can you can use your your uh rune powers or whatever to create all kinds of like situations. I mean, it's it's just a game that it's it's really a game that is all about the act of play, creativity and fun and play and yeah, ex- just exploration for its own sake and um yeah, it's 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 phenom- it's fantastic. It's fantastic. This might come as uh, a shock to uh Tom and Caro who have been in Game of the Year meetings where Zelda's been mentioned, and I'm not really somebody who stands up for Zelda. I think this game is phenomenal and is easily my Game of the Year. <laughs> and oh, it it is so for so many reasons, but it always comes down to the stories that you can tell that are completely unexpected. And we all have like those stories that just crop up because of weird things that happen through, you know, whatever procedural thing happened where you just happened to combine a power with an enemy and suddenly weird shit's happening that you never expected. But minor, minor, the things that were plans to be weird shit and unexpected. And then, and then stuff's like going wild and it's like, Oh my God, they did this. And then, so like, I see this Island off and, and I'm like, I can make this, I can make this. I've been, I've been, building up my stamina so I can make this really long glide, okay? And then I land, and it's like this big maze with shit in it, and I'm like, how do I get through the maze and get out of here? What do I do? And then I, and then it's like, this is so weird. And then I get out of the maze, and it's like, 
this was incredible. Like this <laughs> thing that, you know, maybe a bunch of people that play this game will never see. But I'm like, I can't not go to that island that's barely visible way out there. I'm going to do it. Or then I like, mm-hmm. like land. Oh, that, that island out there looks cool. And it's like, oh, but we're going to take all your shit away from you. And you have to figure oh, out a yeah, way to yeah. get off this island. And I was like, mm-hmm. fuck you. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, we're not going to let you leave this island. No, save, you know, your save games and your belief that you should be able to somehow just swim away from this place. <laughs> How naive you are. Or this other place where there's like lightning everywhere. So the first time I run into lightning and like my shit's like starting to spark and I don't understand what's happening. And suddenly it's like, I'm blowing up from the inside. And, and there's this whole place where it's raining and you have to figure out what to do to like maneuver all these orbs into the play space. And, oh, and, yeah, I love that. And one. it's like, this is amazing. And it just continually comes up with these incredible moments that mm-hmm. and and no, it doesn't have dungeons. But every time I find a new temple, I'm like, oh, my God, another temple. And then they're just they just continue to do amazing things like, oh, this temple is related to the other. And I have to go to the other temple to understand how to solve this one and vice versa. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? And then, like, I'm just building a little village off in the middle of nowhere because, like, this totally gay-coded construction boss has me yeah. has me doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I love this. And people keep telling me that it's possible to beat this game. But I know I've played about 60 hours. And I feel like I'm nowhere near anything that would be considered a, a, a conclusion. I've only played one of the four damn, uh, you know, like, dungeons. I'm, it's never going to end. And you know what? I'm good with that. If this game never ended and I just kept doing stuff in that world, eh, I'm good. Game of the year. <laughs> game of the year right there. And thank you for some, oh, to somebody else for bringing it up so that I didn't have to be all yeah. normcore about it. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Well, it's definitely bolded now. Um, I guess who hasn't played this game yet? I, I, I played like two or three hours. I don't have a Switch. I played on someone else's Switch, but this also comes down again to the i've seen enough i've heard enough i've also heard all of your arguments duh we're going to bold this one this will be in the top 10 um man this is the strategic part we were talking about earlier because i'm not gonna follow up with something i want on this list which is going to be an open world game that i think is to a lot of people inherently less impressive than the open world (laughs) game we just talked about right Um, right and there's one that I really want on here that I think someone else will choose later, and I'm going to be really bummed if I mess that one up. Um, <laughs> let me do one that I know no one else is going to choose. I'm pretty sure no one else is going to choose, and it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. But right. um, you just talked, Kevin, about a, a lot of these moments, kind of these unique moments, because you know it's the way you played in Breath of the Wild. This, this open world stuff just happens. You're like, oh my god. And everyone kind of has these water cooler moments. Uh Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is the game for me for that, and I, I, this is going to be. Overwatch is one of my favorite games, multiplayer games, shooter games of the last five, maybe ten years, um, and I still play that consistently. And the the fun I have with that really hasn't dwindled since it came out. But I would not argue PUBG is a better video game, but I would argue that the highs in PUBG are even higher than what I got in Overwatch, and I really didn't think that would be a possibility after some of the Overwatch games I've had. I mean, it, Solo, 
I don't think there's there, there's value to PUBG solo, but uh, it became more of camping in the right building, waiting for the right person to come across. Almost had horror game elements because mm. suddenly someone's behind you and you're you hear footsteps and it's terrifying. But some of the duos, some of the the full team games I've played have been my favorite gaming moments of the last five years where I, uh, me and a friend who I play Overwatch with as well, we played a solo game or a duos game where he got surrounded and killed with 85 people still left. So we kind of thought of it as a throwaway game. And um, I got to his body too late. I killed the two people that were over him. And I was like, well, I'll just play aggressive and see how this happens. And ends up this 25 minute almost I felt like 25 minute game where I'm I'm swimming I'm dodging bullets I'm I'm crouching in the right spot I'm throwing grenades in the final circle and I win it mm-hmm. and going from like 85 to to winning it when you're down one person was I was just like I didn't I was shaking I was sweating. chicken I was shaking. dinner I, it was the greatest chicken dinner I've ever had I've had about like six or seven at this point and that's the one that will just something very similar happened to him later where i went down hurley and he's, he's swimming and he's driving and he's going through all these places and there's so many moments i've had with people in that game that i'm never going to forget and i think a lot of games are you are around people who you really enjoy being around and the game doesn't really matter um mm-hmm. where it's like i don't know we played i played wildlands a lot this year which is a massive mistake um and i was playing it with friends uh the ghost recon game and we're just like ah, that's not a very good game but we're having fun with each other PUBG is a game that i think is incredible by itself but when you have people you care about when you have these moments um it's there's really nothing like it and i know maybe it's everyone's talking about it everyone's you know oh my god it's so amazing and i was definitely not i wasn't on the hype train at the start i was like i don't really know if i'm into this but I've put about 130 hours into it, and the more I play it, the more I enjoy it, the more I really am fascinated by different play styles and the ways to tackle certain situations and that human element of how is this dude going to handle me driving in my car up to their house? Are they going to go right at me? Are they going to wait in a certain room? And there's there's so many layers to it, uh, and it's only getting better with the updates and the new map, and I... Player Unknown's Battlegrounds yeah. is one of my favorite games of the year and has my favorite moment of the year by far. I have zero uh, time logged with this game because I don't have like a PC that whatever could handle it. And I know it's out on Xbox One now. I don't know if that's like a decent way to play the game. Yeah, but it's like a train wreck I right mean, now. Yeah, but I mean, just conceptually, just like the idea of this game is so exciting and that it works as well as it does, and the, and the stories, yes, that I've heard people tell about their experience, like just the the way that it sets up this situation where there's opportunity for so many uh, incredible, memorable, exciting uh, uh, things for things to go in, you know, so many different directions and uh, everything. It's, um, I mean, it sounds incredible, and it's definitely like I don't think in terms in terms of like cultural impact like in terms of like it being influential and like kind of impacting just the pc gaming landscape like there's no there's no question in in that regard yeah. this is one of the games of the year so yeah i mean yeah, I'm, all, I'm all for it yeah other games have tried the sort of battle royale thing but and so i'm not going to argue this is like the first game that's ever tried it but it's it definitely sure. in terms of the the attachment rate and what it's caused i mean shifting games business models and making Fortnite exceptionally viable right now it is incredible what it has done are you ready for somebody to poop yeah. on your parade i know you weren't <laughs> a huge PUBG fan, which is why i was like this might be an argument it's not really an argument because i get it 
Um, I, I actually really do get it, which is why I'm not going to resist too hard. Uh, because I've had some moments and the first time I, I managed like a really top ranking. So I, I, the first time I, I get number two in a match and I will say it's pretty incredible, but I will also say that it felt like everything just worked to my advantage that I didn't actually have to really work for it. I happened to land at a place where the circles just got smaller and I never really had to move. For example, in my, in my very first, like, like high, high ranking, like finish. Um, but more importantly, I think that in a lot of ways, is a piece of software in particular that this game is, but um, I think that <laughs> it is one of the most poorly optimized, poorly performing games that I've ever played in a good long while. And I think that's unacceptable in a game where your split second decision means the difference between life and death. I think that it is ridiculously broken in fundamental ways in terms of gameplay mechanics themselves. I think I've never jumped in a game in which jumping is the stupidest feeling thing that uh, in this game. It's a little fun. And so this comes down a little bit more to my pet peeve over games that we, we, we live in a world where the PC frame rate police go out there and attack little developers for daring for their little card game to not run at 60 miles per hour, which is stuff that literally happens. And I watched that happen with the, uh, the dungeoneering game that was so brilliant. Mm. And yet there are other games that, that sort of live in another sphere that because they're beloved by a lot of those same people, they, Nobody pays attention to that. Like there's this game, there's things like Ark Survival Evolved, other games that I think are just absolutely disastrous pieces of software. Um, and I know it's sort of unfair to say, okay, well, I'm going to talk about it as software as opposed to a game, but these things affect my enjoyment. The fact that it takes forever for the interface to come up when I hit the tab key, I think is unacceptable. In a game like this. And so I'm raining on that parade. But on the other hand, I've had those horror moments. The footsteps come. I'm sort of, I'm sort of prone behind a bookcase in a room thinking that when these dudes come in and I'm there, I'll be able to mow them down before they know what happens. But then a lot of these people end up being really good at this. And see yeah. this coming. So I'm so careful to close all the doors behind me and shit like that. Like I'm trying really hard to stay alive, but then sometimes they come in and I think that my camping is amazing and they just slaughter me. And so there are these moments that are incredible, but I also think that these, that the moments that are incredible are unlike Josiah are far more outweighed by the things that I think are just absolute inescapable overwhelming problems so there i said that on the other hand i think that it makes sense that this game be on the list because there's nothing else like it well except for uh you know that except for like that other one Fortnite. but we won't talk about Fortnite yeah. because i i don't think Fortnite <laughs> would manage to be on anybody's list on on this team at least uh certainly no. not on mind after it's having not. played it it's not very good. But uh yeah. Yeah, I get it's one of those things I appreciate 
player unknowns battlegrounds but i don't actually enjoy the act of playing it so that's that's why i decided to be devil's advocate on this one i hope you can forgive me oh i i i think that's a solid it's an important point to bring up because i i think over the course of like my 120 or whatever hours more than anything i adjusted to the badness of certain aspects of pubg rather than like because the concept was resonating with me so much I might have either overlooked or just been like, all right, well, this is just how the jump is. It feels awful, but maybe I guess get used to it. And there, there is a lot of that. Um, I, if, if we're talking about just personal experience with it, I, I don't run, I don't have a great gaming PC. So yes, textures take a long time. Sometimes the connection's not great because I bad internet here. Um, but I never, I didn't have a lot of moments where I felt like the game's shooting mechanics or glitchiness or anything like that was the reason i died it, it usually felt fair for me but again I, that's going to be dependent from you know one person to the next with that kind of stuff uh yeah it if this game ran better and was tighter and cleaner um i, I would argue for it to be close to the top of the list if it wasn't as broken in spots as it is there's some bizarre charm to its brokenness which again i'm not going to argue for in a positive way that much i uh, you talk about people overlooking major flaws in games this is kind of similar but different uh i'm a massive the first season of the walking dead by telltale is one of my favorite things but that game ran like ass in all cases like the technology behind it was just bad um but i would overlook that and i recognize that i overlooked that but yeah i mean PUBG, I think, belongs in this list, maybe toward mm-hmm. the back end of it, just because what it does. And again, like speaking back to these personal experiences I had, I remember 50 players left. We, me and my friend drive to the island. We find this two story building and just camp there for a bit. We're like, ah, oh, we don't normally don't camp, but let's just do this. We're both watching different windows and we hear one car come up and we're, we, these two people sneak in and we mow them down with shotguns and we're so excited. We're like, man, this is, you know, we've only played this for about 20 hours each at this point. We're starting to get the hang of this. Um, we take all their stuff. While we're taking their stuff, we hear an engine and another car is coming. And it, it goes up and we get back up in our positions. I have a shotgun. He has an assault rifle. They just see me. They try to shoot me. He pops out of nowhere. We get both of them. We're like, awesome. Oh my God. I can't believe this. We both have two kills each. We're down to 25 left. Another engine we can hear and a third car stacks up there. And we end up the circle, like Kevin mentioned, it, we were lucky. The circle was right around us at this point. We end up winning this game, beating this last group of people, getting out in these open hills and taking out the last guy. And that was just this moment where I'm like, nothing wow. makes me feel like this in video yeah. games right now. I've had some really intense Overwatch games and I had hit, I'm on PS4, I'd hit Master Rank for a bit. And once you hit Master Rank, it's not even fun anymore with how intense it is. Um, PUBG was always this fun intense for me and uh, it's still broken in a lot of spots and I wish it was better, but I, it's at least back end of the top 10. Yeah. So I will. I haven't. I haven't played this game. It's not really a Tom game, but I am in favor of broken stuff. <laughs> oh man! No, I, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, also, from a technical perspective, I still go to bat for the original Perfect Dark, which ran at like four frames a second, but was still brilliant. one of my favorite games still, of all time. Much better than Goldeneye. Still. Uh, you want to have that <laughs> argument instead of this top ten list? We can just talk about Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark is better for one or two people. Goldeneye is better for three or four. Okay, I'll, I'll but like I, yeah, I'm I'm just like I'm I'm I value innovation and ambition way more than technical stuff. Even though Kevin's like a hundred percent correct uh, with with being annoyed about that stuff, but like I guess if you're like. What is it like? Perfect is the enemy of good, or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm I'm glad that a game like this exists, even oh, if yeah. I couldn't get it to work perfectly. Because 
because broken's kind of fun. Yeah. Like that's that's one of the things that you can have fun exploiting. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to come across as too much of a killjoy because I actually I've played a, I've played enough of of PUBG or whatever it is that we call it uh, to to understand its charms. And obviously, if I hated it, I wouldn't continue to play PUBG from time to time, uh, especially because I have somebody somebody that's awesome to play games with to play it with all the time so so trust me i'm only being in there because somebody's gotta do it yeah someone has to say that i'm happy you did (laughs) um man now i just keep thinking about perfect dark and how if you played multiplayer you'd throw those remote mines it would actually go down to around two frames per second (laughs) like let's just talk about perfect dark the entire time that game was so good but then so bad technically all right we are we have one two three four five games at this point um yep so uh caro it's back to you and yeah we are still in this this crazy portion where you technically have two more games you can nominate yep well, Josiah, I will do the I will do the game that I think you were referring to um, uh, before you nominated PUBG. I'll talk about Pyre. Yes. Um, um, so Pyre. Wow. Talk, talk um, all you want so about this... Pyre. Wait, wait, wait. All night long. <laughs> Hang on a second. How did you know that was what Josiah was talking? Because about? I knew because we had a little Twitter exchange where I Thank said you. that it was one of the best games of the year, and he said, oh, "I'm so glad that you feel that way." Um, so that was. I was juggling I, yeah. between that and something else to argue for, and I was like, "Man, I, I hope someone else will argue for this one." Right, so right. This would have been on my list, yeah. but now that Carol's doing it, I'm like, "Oh, good, I can choose something else." Uh, so, so immediately, so like the first thing that happens in this game, right, is that you you meet this trio. You're like exiled to this realm of ex of exiles, and you meet this trio of characters, and like, but the first thing you see is just this Im- imposing like really intimidating figure with these horns right and and you hear like her voice and it sounds you know unlike any voice really that i've heard in a game before and immediately and i'm and like this is a you know this is like a female character right but she's like uh, she's so uh uh <laughs> like so kind of stereotype breaking in terms of like what we usually see and expect from like you know from like standard from like female characters in games. This is Joe Dariel and she's mm. like a demon, but she, you know, ends up, you, I mean, you, you're, she's actually, you know, one of your friends in this game. You, you develop connections with her. And, um, so, uh, immediately I was like, I was intrigued and I knew that I, that Supergiant was taking me to a place that was different in some ways. You know, it wasn't like your typical kind of, Tolkien high fantasy landscape or anything. It was like a really unique kind of fantasy world that they had created. Um, uh, but what's, you know, really extraordinary to me about Pyre is, uh, the way that all of its elements, it has this kind of visual novel element in a way where you're like in just talking and interacting to characters between games, um, the way that the contest, the core contest itself, which is this really fun and surprisingly strategic and fast kind of, um, you know, people have compared it to like, like fantasy NBA jam or something. And that's like a, that's a pretty fair kind of really quick. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that, but that's a good kind of just quick uh, way of, of suggesting what it, what it's like. And, um, 
the and the 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 overarching narrative, the way all these elements, like it's so clear that Supergiant designed all of these elements to really work in concert with each other and to really support each other to create a cohesive experience where all of these elements are 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 yeah are supporting each other because um like this is a game you know you're in this realm of exiles and you um at certain points right if you win certain matches you can choose uh who from your group is exile is not exiled is returned to um like the 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 society the society that's above uh the, the realm of the exiles and making those decisions could be so difficult for me because there were characters that I liked having on my team, but I also liked them so much as people, as characters, that I wanted to reward them with the... And I felt like they had earned it or they deserved it, and I wanted to give them their freedom. And so you have these kinds of decisions, but also, also extraordinary is the way that... So this game will continue moving forward, even if you lose a match, right? And Mm. I got kind of... I'd been going for a long time, and I had not lost a match, right? And so I was maybe confident, I was cocky, I didn't really think that I had, that the game was ever going to be, like, challenging for me at all. And then, this new adversary appears, uh, uh, kind of late in the game, and, and you have to, like, have a match with him right away. And he and his team just destroyed me. (laughs) And after that, I was so nervous going into every match because if I because the stakes felt so high to me like if I win I can get one of my teammates out of this realm of exiles I can send them back to the to the you know the society up above if I lose like I'm literally losing a chance to free one of these people I'm literally losing a chance to give them this like so much weight on my shoulders I mean, uh, you know, just just how all these the narrative and the gameplay and the world and everything work. It, it was, uh, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's extraordinary. Like the the, I really think this game didn't get the recognition it deserves for how its narrative kind of evolves or can re- can react in response to your your victories and your defeats um yeah. which just made me feel so much so much more invested in this game than i felt invested in any kind of um uh, uh kind of competitive um you know structured game in in so long i cared more about those characters than i've cared about just about any other characters in a video game in recent mm-hmm. memory um and yeah those liberation rights are mm-hmm. fascinating because a lot of these stories develop with these care between you and these characters after the liberation riots already start. You're you're talking to the different like people who they've been involved with. You're learning more about them. You're kind of completing their arc. But early on, you have to liberate people who maybe you haven't talked to and kind of fulfilled their certain narrative as much as you want. I know right away the first person I liberated was I'm so terrible with names. It was like the 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 like the lady harpy with wings person. Yeah, cannot- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just didn't get the story I wanted out right. of her. Like I, I didn't get that right. all the way, but I I was like, well, I I haven't really used her in the gameplay. I want to use all these other people. I haven't finished these guys' stories. And then like when this when she was liberated, she seemed bummed because she hadn't really yeah closed a lot of it loops was, in this right. world. And you're like, oh, this is this is yeah. crazy. Like it's there, I, I think there's um a case to be made that the liberation rights drag just a little bit because of how many different 
you know, mm. rights you have to do leading up to these things. Like I felt like I was like, all right, let's. I now the gameplay loop is really fascinating, but eight nine hours in or however much it was when you're doing those liberation rights, I'm like, all right, let's let's speed this up and get more to the character moments that I'm really looking yeah. for. But the idea yeah. of everything working in concert is. You're absolutely right. I had um, Greg Kasavin on this podcast talk about it after I'd played it, and we just went all about the music and the look of it. And I think this soundtrack, uh, I've joked in the past that one major thing I always left out in reviews was talking about the sound design in games. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I was bad at it. I never really picked it out. And I uh, this was one of the few games where it just stuck out to me. And the music in this game is incredible, and it works with everything. And it's I love Pyre. Yeah. Yeah, interestingly for me, her that character's sister... Um, w- was actually the one and only liber like I lost one liberation right, and so and her sister was liberated. Um, you know, because they have that whole rivalry, like they don't, they're like they have obviously like this bad blood or this old wound between them, and and then then later I sent her um up, and and I you know, and then I was able to see in the kind of post game text, um, you know what happened with. To how to, with both of them being um up on the surface that sort of awesome. to get together and yeah so there's just like so many different ways that things can can go in this game and uh yeah like you know speaking of like branching narratives and eat your heart out david cage like this game <laughs> is so so does that so well god damn it he's never gonna come on my podcast now it's <laughs> never gonna happen ever he's gonna say but you're no. really okay yeah. with this josiah let's be real yeah, that's true. I don't really know what I would talk about. I would just talk about Heavy Rain and be like, all right, that's the only game of yours I liked. Let's move I'll on. I'll come on that one. Because uh, we yeah, agree. Right, okay. Heavy you Rain's the only if you come thing on, I'll definitely that I liked. I really enjoyed that in the moment. But again, I think we talked about this on Twitter. Playing it again, I don't know if I'd be Tom loved Beyond. But, Tom loved Beyond time. Two Souls. He loved that game. Really? I still yeah. go to bat for Beyond Two Souls. And I gave it a higher score than The Last of Us, and I stand by it. Wow. That. That's yeah. a, I think that game is awesome. That's a podcast. I love that game. Yeah, it really is. Um, so, yeah. Pyre, uh, the major, the real major question with Pyre is uh, mustache or no mustache? Um, early on oh, in the game, you have that, that choice. Yeah. Rookie's mustache. I, you know, I didn't want to hurt. I told him to keep the mustache because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. So he had the mustache in my game, but I, I don't know if I actually feel like it worked for him. It was more I like, told him to shave that shit it was off. more like he felt, he seemed attached to it and I just, and he's so likable, you know, and I just didn't want to be like, you know, I didn't want to be the one to, so I was like, yeah, yeah, it looks, looks great. It looks great. I feel like I had to be honest uh, with him though, cause I, it wasn't yeah. working for him. I'm like, dude, you gotta get rid of him. He looks so much okay, better look. without it. Okay. It's yeah, always yeah, mustache yeah. is always the answer to this question. <laughs> And it made it made Dogman hotter, honestly. But he he's no Spooky. he's no Dagbert, right? Dagbert. So right, right, Dagbert right. is Bay. Yeah. First of all, um, but I want to <laughs> I want to say two things that are clearly obvious about this game, but they they still deserve to be mentioned. First of all, it's the most beautiful game of the year. And I, this is a year in which we had, uh, Zelda, for example. Um, I would call, uh, Pyre, in terms of, at least of environmental design, the most beautiful game of the year. Bar none. Um, it is full of images that have surely become thousands of peoples of desktops, uh, for one. Number two, I just want to give a shout out to the wagon. Um, 
yeah, for the, great. the wagon's not only great as a as a as a hub, um, but the wagon is also mm-hmm. great watching it travel across the terrain because it's so mm-hmm. charmingly ramshackle in a way that's yeah, exactly yeah. perfect that I can't even tell you. And and this yep. is the like I feel like Supergiant has established itself as better than every other developer in the world and i don't say that lightly in establish in being tonally consistent um across visuals mm-hmm. across writing and even across gameplay and i feel like we've reached that well not i don't want to say pinnacle because there will be more to come and it will all surely be improving um, just as this one did. But I feel like when you want to go into a world and you want everything to feel exactly the way it's supposed to because it fits with exactly everything else and the people talk the way the world looks and the world looks the way the world sounds and the world sounds the way that it simply does. And these things matter to me in games a lot. And I don't think there's anybody that makes games that are more consistent internally consistent in terms of feel than right. Supergiant. And one one last little thing about it is that sometimes people like will complain about the the combat system that the gameplay doesn't feel like it matches. But I I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that. Um and I don't know that this is gonna come across as a fully formed opinion, but obviously it looks to say modern day sport um as sort of an inspiration for what it is that you're doing in empire combat would would most people agree with that that this is you know yeah but i i yeah. feel like culturally like sport is seen as a path to redemption um you write your redemption story when you're a successful athlete that's often how it goes um and often sort of what we like from our sports you know we we are our, our sport heroes um let us down when they don't follow the the redemption path we want um and I feel like in some weird way that the fact that the rights are used for, for this kind of renewal and redemption is, is sort of a perfect mm-hmm. thing coming from yeah. a, a sort of ritual of our own in modern mm-hmm. life in which the same is happening. And so I will go against the grain when people say that the gameplay doesn't fit and say that I think the gameplay is perfect for what this world is. So that's all I had to say about that. It's uh, a good game. Tom, did you play this? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm weird with Supergiant in that I appreciate more than like their games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I've never finished one of their three games. So I don't know. I see it's it looks good and it sounds it sounds good, but yeah, it never really clicked with me. I'm one of those people who doesn't like the gameplay of any of their games, but loves everything else. And so that's like a barrier for me that I just can't. Transistor can't. was like that for me, where I liked everything about Transistor, but I never really enjoyed playing that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Pyre might be my favorite. I-, I love Bastion, but I think Pyre might be my favorite one. I, I-, I can totally get the not like in the gameplay thing. Um, yeah, I'm weird. I actually I remember I had Bastion in my like top ten, I don't know, five or six, whenever year came out, and it's, it was only because of the soundtrack. It's so good. Which is one of my favorite soundtracks. I, I think Pyre is even better. I don't know. I really like the way Pyre sounds. Oh no, yeah, no, this the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, I remember like uh, at GameStop we had like moment of the yep. year, and I nominated like the moment when you find the woman singing that song, like I the wall, I built the wall. Oh yeah. Which is still one of my favorite moments in any game ever. 
So it's weird that, yeah, I only played through like half of Bastion because I don't like playing it, but my god, they, they understand the aesthetic stuff better than just about anyone probably i'm so excited to bolt this one i was i was so worried it was going to slip through i, I, I would have chosen it my, as my third one if no one else got there but mm-hmm, uh, we're definitely mm-hmm. pyres on this list uh kevin you're next oh god it's getting more and more difficult it's getting more and yeah, more it really difficult is. it does not get um <laughs> i'm sort of stuck between a couple four there are four games that i feel like i could jump on uh, a couple that I'm super worried would never be mentioned. Uh, gosh. All right. I'm going to, well, I was norm core last time, right? I mean, when I went with Hellblade, which I feel like is a pretty obvious choice. That is not norm core. But I mean, it, I, I mean, I feel like this is a largely <laughs> critically critically beloved game you know it's on GameSpot's top 10 list yes. as it counts down and things like that so so i i don't think like any of these games are things that are like oh my god that game and i feel like there should be at least one but then i hate to leave out other ones that appear mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i'm really upset right now especially because none of you were going to pick divinity original sin 2 and for that for your ex-colleague making PC gamers game of the year and not actually <laughs> picking it is highly Someone disappointing might. to me, <coughs> especially because it's the most brilliantly written game of the year. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going to choose Songbringer. Oh, uh, which I know is probably the least likely to be cut when we do our cutting at the, at the end of this, um, but I really love Songbringer, <laughs> uh, in part because at first it was a very superficial connection that made me love it because it, it has a, a beautiful pixel art style that reminded me somewhat of the game I loved most last year, which whose name I've, com- I, I've temporarily forgotten for reasons um. I don't understand. Uh, Oh, I know what you're talking you, about. You know, the, I mean, it was my freaking game of the year, and suddenly I can't remember yeah. it. I know Kara wasn't as fond of it, but it was uh, – um, what was the name of that game? We'll figure it out. I yeah. don't want to – Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah, Hyper Light Drifter. Yes, 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 which I which I absolutely loved. Um, not a universal opinion, but uh, I, I love that game a lot, and I love the way the game looks. And so when I first started playing Songbringer, even, even though it was a chunkier game, it did not have the – its combat is not nearly as tight, for example, as it is in Hyperlight Drifter. But what it did at first is it crafted this world in a way where we used to think about, we used to fill in all the, like, the blank spaces with our imaginations. And I don't think that that works in every game that tries this kind of style. Um, but I think some games do where you get this sense of an incredible, colorful place filled with surprising enemies and dungeons where you don't know what you're going to find. And there's just a beauty to it. But it's an abstract enough beauty that your mind is perfectly happy to fill in the blanks. And it has a sense of an open world that's much more interesting than even Zelda, for example. Even Even though its spaces are so much smaller and its visuals are so much less detailed. 
Um, so it's sort of a harking back to games from, say, uh, you know, a 16-bit era or a 32-bit, you know, that, that, that kind of thing where things are sort of not, you know, the edges aren't all filled in, but mm-hmm. they're clear enough where what my brain fills in for those edges makes it the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I, and I sort of love that about that. Um, but more so it's this procedurally generated game that's sort of like a Zelda-like, uh, you know, a 2D Zelda-like where you're, where you're running through and you're earning access to new places because you're going to dungeons and you're earning new, new weapons and you're just, and the overworld is really awesome to begin with because every, every screen, and that's sort of how the game is built is, is, you know, every level is sort of a screen, you know, you move off the screen and then you just move into a new level in, in a way. Um, and suddenly things might be different, but it's all very consistent with the place that you've been before. And then you start doing battle and it feels good because you've got some really cool, you know, weapons that you can earn. Um, but then it keeps throwing, you know, it keeps throwing sort of these, these surprises at you as you go through. And it's like suddenly, Oh, now my, my weapons have been taken away. I'm in this really cool place. How am I, how am I going to manage to get through it? What is the secret of this place? I walk into dungeons and I don't know what to expect. I might expect a full dungeon where I have a bunch of things to fight and a boss at the end and some kind of secret or some kind of new weapon at the end of it. Other times I walk in and it's like, there's a visual and it's a, and it's a whole bunch of things trapped in crystal. And I don't know in my, in my mind, I have to decide, is this here because this is just telling the story? Um, and because there's something to learn from this, or is it here because I have a way of freeing them and I just haven't earned that, that ability yet. And I have to come back and find a way to, to enhance my knowledge of this world by, by setting these free. And, and, and you just don't know when you enter these places, but every time I come up to a dungeon, um, I, I don't know what's going to be in there. And that fuels the excitement of finding out. Um, and whether it's something quiet or whether it's something loud, um, I'm always impressed with it and it's procedurally generated. So you never know exactly what you're going to get. Um, but it's procedurally generated in a way that I really appreciate because a lot of procedural games, have this sort of paradoxical effect of feeling really, they can do one of two things. They can either feel just feel just so random that everything feels like just a bust, a bunch of mishmash on the screen that doesn't really make sense with anything else. But the other thing they can do is they can be oddly repetitive, even compared to games that are completely crafted from beginning to end. And so what I, I, I love that thing about it where it avoids both of those things. It feels organic when you're in the world. Nothing feels like it's some kind of random stupid thing that was dropped in out of a math, a math equation. Um, but it's also never repetitive to me. There are enough key, you know, like key themes from playthrough to playthrough that, that sort of lead you through. But it never feels like, even if I'm experiencing something that's a little bit like something I've experienced before, it doesn't feel like I'm just treading, retreading the same ground. And I just sort of love Songbringer. And this is coming from somebody who's not exactly a fan of like, like older 2D Zeldas and this type of game in general. And yet it, it sparks something in me. It sparks in the, 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 the beauty of the, of the, the pixel art and the, the sort of surprise of knowing what's 
not knowing what's going to be around the bend, but somehow that thing making perfect sense with what's come before in spite of the procedural generation. So I think it, I think even though it will be knocked off this list, I think it, I think it deserves a mention in this talk. I had somehow never even heard of this game. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts about doing these lists is you end up hearing about stuff that I will very often. I think after the first two, I, I just got off this and immediately bought and downloaded like four or five games. Uh, and I think that's one of the best uses of this podcast. And it, it sounds awesome. I've been looking at the, the gameplay of it. it. looks incredible. But yeah, I'd never heard of it before. Great name, by the way. Has anybody else ever yeah, played I mean, this I'm, game? I'm intrigued. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I have not, I admit, I have not played even a minute of it yet. But, um, uh, you know, it's certainly, obviously the the idea has merit. And uh, I would, you know, if if it can create it for me that some of that sense of just uh discovery and that sense of like not knowing quite what you're walking into or what you might get and uh you know for me as it did for you i'm sure i will uh i'm sure i will really enjoy it i feel like it's a caro game i really do like i feel like it's a caro game and whether or not it succeeds for you or fails i think it's the kind of game where you can go into it and understand why why kevin thought it was a caro game if that makes any sense yeah yeah absolutely is is this game real (laughs) (laughs) yes yes you should definitely go to steam and you should look it up i mean i i really am at the stage where it's like god it would be a shame to not have that game on the list but it's more it's more likely somebody would choose this other one than this one and so i don't know this is this is the frightening part of this list because I only it is. No, yeah. I only on, get. I'm, it's also a PlayStation Four I'm and Xbox do. One. It looks like so. It's also. Console. Oh yeah, I think it has uh, made its way to consoles. It also strikes me as the kind of thing that would show up on Switch. Although I don't. It's not like I have inside knowledge of that. It's just right. Feels right. like the kind yeah. of thing that so would many, be there. Yeah. I, so many things are making their I was way to just Switch. Googling. Yeah. Songbringer. Songbringer. <laughs> well, you're not going to find anything. Oh if no! You it's Stormbringer. The sequel. Uh, right. Oh. Well, okay. Songbringer. <laughs> Because that's that's how I play games yeah. at this point. Just on the Switch, you could probably guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's the new it's the new. Uh, oh, they say maybe. There we go. Okay, that's a good sign then. So maybe. Um, it's the new Vita as the Switches. Um, it sure is. I'm bolding this. You've convinced me. So Songbringer is now on this current okay. list. Um, not Stormbringer. I'm glad I'm incredibly persuasive <laughs> in that way. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you're persuasive well, enough about that yeah, someone's going to pick Divinity Original Sin 2. That's the next step of being persuasive. Uh, speaking of, Tom, you're next. Um, should I just pick a game that you guys are going to cut off? <laughs> mm. Well, so, okay, go ahead. I'm going to pick uh, a mobile game because mobile is still a platform that has awesome Not games. Not real video games. Doesn't count. I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So there's a game called Universal Paperclips that is very... It's amazing! It is uh, ostensibly, um, I guess you could call it like a strategy clicker game, you know? Yeah, like, like a um, coffee, like a co- cookie clicker or something. You you just wait. Yeah, cow, cow, cow clicker? Cow clicker, sure. I was going to say, keep going, because I love cookie clicker. You might convince me that this is the best game of 2017. So, so uh, the the... The point of the game is that you are in charge of a, a paperclip manufacturer, which is already like dream job. Like this is amazing. So it starts off yeah. and you make paperclips manually by tapping "make paperclip" 
which is way more enthralling than it sounds. I'm doing it as we speak, so keep going. <laughs> so once you get a couple of those, you know, I don't know, you do it for 30 seconds or something, you know, and then you can you make enough money by selling your paper clips to get an auto paper clip maker. And from there, the game just kind of takes off. So you make money by selling paper clips, and you use that money for different resources. So you don't have to be tapping all the time. That's what the auto paper clip is for. So then you you can buy more auto paper clips to make them go faster. You can put money into marketing. Uh, and it's it's like the gradual build of a company that makes perfectly logical sense, right? Like you make more paper clips, and then you can put money to make them faster and put more money mm -hmm. to make people want them more, and then you make money, and it's just a cycle that we've seen a million times before. Mm -hmm. uh, and that part was really interesting to me, just like on the surface level of, of, well, what happens when I get bigger and I want to see what happens next? And I was like invested enough in the early goings that I pushed forward to see what happens when your company gets bigger. And that's when it gets a little dark. <laughs> uh, and like, it's, you know, Night in the Woods resonates in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, this this game is uh, 1984 to 2017. Like this this range of how corporations are a part of our company. This is or our, our society. Uh, this is Disney buying X Men in right, 20th Century Fox. Right, this is what this game right, is, right. and what makes it so interesting. Because all you're doing is making paperclips the whole time, but eventually, like you start playing the stock market to make more money. And eventually you start sending probes off into space because you kind of tapped the earth of the essential resources. Uh, and then you're kind of harvesting other planets. Uh, and this is all with just a text inter interface. If you're harvesting other planets, you're fighting aliens to get that precious resource. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is this is just all like a simple clicker game. And like eventually you become the Universal Paperclip Company and you have dominated the universe with paper clips by the money you got from paper clips and it's like when it ends it just like ends yeah and it's this weird feeling of like what did i do right. with my time and then what did i do in game that like i, just... I literally took over the entire universe on this, on the backs of my paperclip manufacturing plant, and it was very weird and very sobering and very like reflective of where we are in the current sphere of corporation, corporate powers, and and how there's a simple search company or simple or a simple like messenger app or something like that can turn out to be like swinging elections and dominating entire like manufacturing stuff and you don't you don't even realize it because you're just like oh it's just a search engine like that's kind of what this is where it's just like this very small inconsequential thing that explodes just through marketing and sheer oh. stick to itiveness and it's it's really fascinating and i'm like stunned that a game like this exists and it's also weird because apple usually doesn't allow stuff that's like openly critical <laughs> of apple, but i guess it's like because you know this this is talking about apple well but not like, not it's explicitly really, though but not explicitly yeah. but but when you're playing it on an iphone you're like huh yeah um yeah but yeah no it's it's i think i think it's a it's a brilliant game it's one of those games like it's not like um uh hellblade where i think we'll be talking about in 15 years but it's a game that if i was teaching a class right. like you would teach a game like this because 
it is it's it shows you kind of how games can really push how you see the world and further understand the world through these these this this lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a, a fascinating game, I think, and I would recommend anyone who has an iOS device to to check it out. Um, I have a possibly dumb comparison, but also question. So again, I'm playing this as we speak. I, I'm just playing it on uh, my Chrome. Um, is this at all similar to Frog Fractions in terms of being an unassuming thing that becomes much more than what it is in terms of maybe not going in as bizarre of places, but seeming like, oh, it's a simple clicker, but actually having a much deeper meaning and everything behind it? Yes. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't think Frog Fractions had like a political message that it was trying to get out. It was just trying to be weird and fascinating, and it was weird and fascinating. This game is, I think it has a real point. And this is kind of the one of those like social, um, who are archaeologists? What is it called? Social, um, like an anthropologist? Yes, anthropologist. Like this is the kind of game that will last for a long time when they're trying to figure out what life was like in 2017. This is the kind of game that they'll look at and be like, this is, this is it. This is what people are doing to talk about. Uh, the world at large and what was going on. It's like, uh, oh, I'm making paper clips, and then, wow, capitalism is destroying the universe. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it's it it is like that, yeah. And it's really, but the whole time you're tr- you're like you're trying to get bigger. Of course, yeah. you're trying to get bigger. Like that's your because you are the you know the CEO of Universal Paperclip. And a shout out, and you don't really realize until the end, like what did I do? Yeah. A shout out to Waypoint, by the way, who's who first brought this game to my attention. And I'm really grateful that they did. I'm not saying that they, you know, I don't know. They've just been a champion of the game. Uh-huh. And that, hmm. is, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for Waypoint for sort of being this, this voice out there that I'm really glad exists for sort of making me look at certain games I might have missed. Uh, and also making sure that I look at certain games in a different way than I would have um, otherwise. So shout out to Waypoint, I guess, just in this moment. For, for yeah. that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I only saw it from a few people I trust in my Twitter feed. I'm, I'm like googling what they had to say about it. I didn't see people talking about this weird iOS game. But yeah, I think I think it should be included for the reasons I said, and more than I didn't say that are even more powerful. Well, <laughs> you got me to immediately play it. I've already bolded it. I I love. I was obsessed with Cookie Clicker, um, and now I'm con- actually concerned that you told me about this because um, now I'm going to play it too much. But. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll report back my thoughts, but I'm going to bold it. Um, man. Uh, so I'm next, which means I only have one left, and I hate this. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I know I'm not going <laughs> to know what Caro's last game is. It's, it's gonna be different than yours. I'm not gonna. Ch- yeah, I I have a feeling what I'm gonna choose is something no one else will choose. I'm not gonna go with like the the souls. Like games which are Neo and the Surge, because I don't think either are all that good. Nope. Uh, Dead Cells is, <laughs> is not out yet. Battlegrounds is, so I, I felt okay with that. Um, oh, God, this is the worst. I'm only halfway through Persona 5, which is still 50 hours, which is a lot of hours. Uh, I'm gonna. By the way, I, I hear people shouting about a certain game. I don't think that game's gonna be nominated, guys. Just anyone <laughs> shouting about that oh. game. Uh, it's just, just. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. God. What? All of this. I'm. Okay, this is. God, this is the worst. Okay, I'm just gonna go on this. I said early in the year after I played this that this game would be forgotten and shouldn't be by the end of the year because it came out so early and it was great in the moment but it also released alongside another amazing open world game that did a lot of great things um i'm gonna say horizon zero dawn is one of the i best knew it of the year. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's maybe not the 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 really underground choice i've mostly nominated triple a games and battlegrounds which is not triple a but is becoming one of the biggest games ever uh for me horizon and keep in mind i've only played a few hours of zelda so i didn't really i wasn't didn't get a massive chance to compare these two but more than anything horizon stands out as me as the most fun to play moment from moment open world game that i've played in recent memory i've played a lot of open world stuff i'll throw assassin's creed in this conversation <laughs> I, I think a near is in this conversation where i'm kind of just going through the motions going from place to place the the, the enemies are something i just want to get through or slice and dice through so i can raise levels or get equipment uh, horizon has these consistently interesting enemies that you have to really think before you tackle. You can't really brute force it. Maybe later in the game when you've overpowered yourself, but throughout, I was really challenged by everything I saw, not just based on size, but also based on AI patterns and things I just wasn't prepared for. There's a lot of stealth, but there's also just a lot of, you got to slide under at the right time, hit these certain points, and you get more adept at that bow and the way the game feels, but early on, it's definitely a process to learn how to hit those right spots. I really struggle with Horizon, early on of just getting the hang of it but as i did i really enjoyed my time actually playing that game we talk about beautiful games this year and i think pyre stands out but i also think horizon just not just technically but also the 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 artistic side of it is really incredible i'm a big fan of post post apocalyptic stuff which is why maybe i like um uh, enslaved a lot is just the look and feel of like the look of that game and i think horizon has a really interesting take on it the story goes some interesting places i'm not going to say it's the most novel incredible revolutionary story of all time but you do care about the characters which is important as you lead up to that final battle where you're enlisting them and, and you care what happens to them in those moments um i think the cliffhanger is a little bit i don't know i don't think you needed that i don't think this game exactly needs a sequel i know it's going to get one um but yeah, the variety in the main quests, I think that's where the best moments are. I think, um, I know I'm not making the greatest case for this right now, because I'm going to say the side quests aren't incredible. Uh, I would actually say Assassin's Creed is much better at creating these side quests where you have interesting moments that you care about, these different characters that are fascinating, and there's a lot of Horizon stuff that ends up being fetch quests. But um, the feel of that game, the environments in that game, just exploring was fun. I wanted to go into random battles i would get lost into that and not do quests for a long stretch of time maybe not to the zelda degree we talked about before but still to a degree where i just wanted to be around that place i wanted to play that game and a lot of open world games they don't feel that great and i think horizon is one of the best playing open world games of the year i think it has something to say it has an interesting story it looks incredible and yeah it, it's one of my favorite games of the year that I, I don't think i would put up against zelda compared to what everyone said but i still think it has a place on this list i what i liked uh a lot about zero dawn was actually i did think that the characters were created with care um mm. like you know even a lot of the smaller characters um you know there's a character uh, whose name is escaping me right now but she's she she's like this machinist she she rules like the forge town or whatever oh yeah and uh you know every time i would have like a little interaction with her as aloy I, it would i was like you know it's like the subtle sense of like are you flirting with me like i think maybe you're flirting with me or whatever <laughs> and the game never like makes anything out of it but it's just like this little energy there and it's just and it's so good um 
And, and, you know, as you get toward the end of the game and you're kind of starting, you start, start spending more time with these like archives of what had happened in the past to lead up to the, uh, the apocalyptic moment. I mean, I, you know, that stuff isn't really communicated all that well a lot of the times. Like you might get into a room and there's just all these audio logs or whatever. It's like one after the other. And that's kind of not, that's not great. But, um, I did appreciate that that even these characters who are nothing more in this game but but ghosts from the past, you know, holographic like ghosts from the past, were um were really like well developed. They had distinct personalities, they were from really different cultural backgrounds, you know. Um yeah. and you really did get a sense of who these people were, even though they existed so long ago. And I did feel like the 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 character who's, you know, basically responsible, you know, for what happens is such a, uh, uh, I mean, it's like, uh, he's such a, again, like nightmare capitalist, but who, mm-hmm. uh, whose ego is just like so massive that like he thinks his own pain is like, greater than, you know, is, like, more important than anything else in the world. Um, you know, that that was actually kind of believable and interesting to me, that the what leads up to the kind of, the, the, the really apocalyptic moment. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely really, I liked Aloy a lot, you know, I like, me too. I like this game, yeah, it's, it's a good game. It's pretty. <laughs> it is pretty. Mm-hmm. I like the way that the world, you know, I mean, the world doesn't feel to me as alive or alive in the same way as something like Zelda. But yeah. there, there, there are still these moments where I'll be standing somewhere and I'll see one of those, what are they called, tall necks? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like a tall neck, like in the distance. And, you know, those moments where, oh, that thing is really far away, but I can still see the, this life and this movement out there. You know, those moments are are, are pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, Kevin, did you play this? Yeah, I I I didn't play all of it. Uh, a resounding refrain for today's podcast, I think. <laughs> um, but I dis I disliked the writing, um, and certain elements of it so much that occurred in the first hour of that game that it colored Aww. so much of what came after. And here, here's the thing. I mean, this is nothing against Horizon Zero Dawn, because by all accounts, it's an excellent game, right? It's an excellent game that just I didn't connect with because of me being superficial. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I am at the stage, especially because, you know, now that I make games, I have a lot less time for playing them than I used to. When you played them for a living, you just played a bunch of games all the time. And now I don't have that option. And so what's important, what something that's become more important to me than it used to be is that I need games to start well. Um, and I don't mm. mean that they need to reveal all of their secrets and all of their wonder in the first 10 minutes. That's not really what I mean. Um, but I mean, I need, I need the first statement that the game makes to be a statement of you're in for something really special and horizon zero dawn makes a, the complete opposite statement to me, um, which is that we're going to treat you like a moron <laughs> and none of the dialogue is going to make sense. And 
this this was basically what I was stuck with for the first hour, and I also had you know three other things sitting on my PS4 like desktop, and I'm like, I'm gonna because it's like okay, but I also have Persona Five that I need to play, and that game starts really well, and I have Near that I want to play, and that game starts really well, and so if I have to choose between these three that are sitting right now in front of me, Horizon Zero Dawn is the third choice. Yeah. And so I went with the other choices instead, and uh, that's a, kind of what it what it did it, for me. I I do like that you invited Kevin to be on this podcast to just take a dump. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, and that, but the thing is, I don't have anything really against Zero Dawn as much as that when it came to games that made an impression and then continued to make that good impression. There were t- simply two better choices sitting in front of me when I booted up my PS4. And that's yeah. sort of why horizon sort of fell, fell to the wayside. Not because I don't believe that it's an excellent game only because there were also two other excellent games. And sometimes you just have to make that choice. Yeah. And it's a bummer. Cause I think early on the game does kind of treat you a little bit like you're an idiot, but l- later on, as you keep getting into these more difficult encounters, it really doesn't hold your hand. Um, just and just again going gameplay wise, I, I say the writing maybe gets a little bit better, um, but the actual gameplay encounters are very much here's this thing, figure it out. So a lot of the gameplay yeah. encounters are puzzles and not we're going to point out exactly how to do this, and that's why I did struggle with it. And it isn't a game that starts out incredibly well. It's one that I think warms up later on, and that can suck because I agree. Like the 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 more you have on your plate, the more you don't have time for things that don't start really well and really show you that they're going to you know really blow you away so i totally get that i do think horizon gets better over time um not and not even in the final fantasy way where you need to play like 50 hours of final fantasy 13 for it to make any sense <laughs> i'm saying like like five to ten and then you're like all right now i'm getting it now we're now we're rolling <laughs> yeah I'm, so i'm all for it being on the list i i'm not saying mm-hmm. it's not deserving at all but i i have to i have to poop into the room sometimes well, yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't have pooped on my third choice, I would have actually like been like, what's wrong with Kevin? The first two happen, so there has to be one so, so, you, so you can take the critic out of out of the, uh, I don't know, out of the, the job, but you can never take the job out of the, what am I saying? You know still what I'm saying? Still my editor. I'm still, still my editor with all still of these a, Still a critic, you know, and but honestly, that's actually been really helpful in my new career in which uh, part of the reason I'm I've ended up being so valuable is because I just sort of can tell it like it is from that perspective. So it, it does yeah. come in handy, but on the other on on the other hand, you know, like I poop on people's dreams. <laughs> well, so. despite Kevin's poop, I'm still going to pull this game. <laughs> Deser- um, it's deserving, completely deserving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have three games left to add on this list. Uh, Kara, this is your last game that you get to choose. <sighs> There's two games left on the list that, to me, are sort of, like, essential uh, 2017 games. One of them is fair, is, you know, quite critically acclaimed. It's on a bunch of top ten lists, you know, and so on. The other is not at all. Mac 2. Um, and <laughs> I'm trying to decide, you know, the decision of do I go with the... the do I give our airtime here to the... The choice that mo- people are more likely to have heard of and be aware of, or to the one that's going to come out of left field for uh, for a ton of people, is one of them PC <laughs> Gamers Game of the Year. Ah, uh, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Um, I, I don't think we're making. I don't think I'm making it on the list. 
To be perfectly fair. <laughs> I mean, we're technically not journalists. We don't really need to worry about ethics. You can ethics, throw your own yeah. game on there. I um, wouldn't do that. That would seem quite quite wrong. <laughs> I haven't played it, if that helps. I don't dislike Divinity Original Sin 2. So, huh, all right. This is going to be tough. Um, but I'm ready I, for this near conversation, if that's the direction you're going. Well, I, I would mm, instead... Instead, I mean, that's a very, it's a very painful and difficult choice for me to have to make right now. But I'm going to talk about a game called Butterfly Soup. All right. Um, I knew yep, it. I knew yep. it. So Butterfly Soup, look, it's purely a visual novel. That's all, you know, gameplay wise, it's just a visual novel. Like you just click through, you know, you make the occasional choice or, or whatever. Um, and it is, Probably the game that I got the most just pure enjoyment out of this year. So because, um, so it's it's a story, um, it's a story about four uh, Asian, you know, young Asian girls, um, uh, <laughs> growing up in like um, Oakland, I guess, or the Bay Area, um, and. Um, uh, playing baseball and falling in love. That's how it's billed on the, on the itch.io page for this game. But, um, what's so extraordinary? So you have these four, uh, four characters and they are each, and they're friends, you know, and they have their, their group of friends and they have the different dynamics that go with being friends with each other. And of course there's, uh, romantic and sexual tension between some of them as well. Um, so the the creator of this game, I believe her name is Brianna Lee, um, knows these characters so well, so well that I mean, their voices, their you know, each of their internal uh, kind of their thought processes, which you sometimes are privy to, their emotional reactions to things, the way that they talk. These are th- these are four incredibly distinct personalities. Like these four people really feel like four completely different people um and they are just like they feel so so again they're so emotionally and psychologically complex and they are so incredibly funny like i have this game has this game probably made me laugh out loud more than any game i've ever played it is just it is so it is so funny, but it's funny in ways that feel, like, honest. And it's funny in ways that are not, like, at the expense of the characters. We're not laughing at the characters. E- you know, even if sometimes they're... You know, so one of the characters is named Akarsha. And uh, she's probably, like, the funniest uh, of the bunch, in a way. Um, or the most, like... The one who, like, covers up with humor the most. So, because she, you know, a lot of them have their, they have pressure from their parents to be like, to really excel at school, right? Their parents put so much pressure on them. And so Akarsha, who has this tremendous fear of failure, covers up with, um, with like humor and like acting like she doesn't actually care if she, if she succeeds or fails because the pressure is too much. And if you act like you don't really care, then, and if you fail, then it's not as bad as if you acted as if you did care. Um, and, uh, where was I going with Akarsha? I, um, um, so, oh, so she's, so the, she is funny in such a specific and revealing way. Like she, the way that she's funny is always saying like something 
that seems on the surface incredibly like dumb or clueless, <laughs> but it's dumb, but it's, it's so perfectly dumb or clueless that it actually reveals how incredibly smart she is that she's able to come up with something so incredibly like perfectly dumb and clueless for that moment. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's so, it's, it, it's really like, so the writing is so kind of in a way complex and believable and, uh, and, um, endearing, you know, I mean, you just come to know these characters so well. And what I, what I ultimately, what I love about this game is just, it, it just overflows with warmth. It overflows with warmth and compassion for its characters. And, and as a, when you play it, that warmth and compassion, it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an outlook that the game sends out to you, the player as well, right? And it kind of, it kind of, um, it really humanizes its, its characters and it basically, you know, it, there's a way in which just by telling the story it tells, it makes a larger point about, um, the ways about what we all, about what we all deserve and what we all need in this world. The love, the support, the friendship, the connections that we all need. And, um, it's, you know, so it's on the surface, it seems pretty simple. Um, but it's, it's ultimately, I think, really quite profound. Um, yeah. entertaining, hilarious, touching, poignant, you know, just utterly, utterly wonderful. A real, a real work of just, personal intimate storytelling and art that is um you know and in my view absolutely one of the best uh games of the year i just downloaded this now so mm. i'm convinced uh <laughs> i i didn't play this game i've peripherally heard of it um mm -hmm. is, is this a good time to mention that dream daddy didn't make my list but i it felt sad that it didn't make my list and so of course <laughs> maybe maybe we've all had our one romance visual novel this year that's that right, stayed with right, us right. so so uh just a little shout out to dream daddy but this sounds this sounds really great and it's especially great because now we get to have it, it's it's great to play through a queer romance in in game form something that we don't really often yeah. get to do certainly not i mean they exist but they they exist they've existed in sort of this underground space for for longer than they should have and so to have these games suddenly sort of appear and get a lot more press recognition um uh -huh. and for people to start understanding that hey you don't even have to be queer to play these games and get something out of it and enjoy it right um, right is, right is also really special to me because like Dream Daddy took people by storm and I don't expect I, I don't think by any stretch that all of the people playing that game were gay men. Uh no, no, absolutely not. And and like um Amanda, the daughter in that game is such a breakout. She's character. so great. Like, she's, yeah. And she's, she's so, so great, supportive. Right? She was so supportive of my choices. And then I fell in love with Brian and he rescued me from falling in the lake. Uh, mm -hmm. and he was just my everything to the point where I never played again because it was like cheating on Brian. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And oh, that's, awesome. I, that's, this is my way of saying that I fully support Caro's choice, even though I didn't play her game because I too had a game that spoke to me from 
from a from a, a place of queer love and mm-hmm. uh i'm 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 fully i'm fully behind you yeah you have me invested i i say yes all right why why is it called butterfly soup it, i mean uh it's i don't want to give that away but there's no there's Ooh. no actual you got me. There's intrigued. no actual no butterflies are harmed in the in the <laughs> in the <laughs> story of this game. game. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right, it's yeah. bold. That's we have ten games. We need two more. Um, Kevin, you have one more game. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> this is the shit. Gets all right. Intense. So this is really hard because there are what one. Two. There's an obvious one related to your tattoos that are tattoos. Right, that. that's on my four. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at four um, that I really want to stick on here. And the thing, the thing that's killing me most, partially, is the tattoo. <laughs> but there's also a game on here that I feel like was almost Caro's choice just now. And when she said she went for butterfly soup, I'm just kind of curious if it was the one right above mm. butterfly soup on the list. Uh, it, it was, it was. Yeah, it was. yeah. But my problem, well, we'll get to these. I'm sure we'll have some honorable mentions where we can talk about a few of these games after we have our final mm-hmm. 10. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go. On a limb, I'm gonna be norm a little normcore about it again, but not too normcore. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Evil Within two. Oh wow! Um, a game that took me by surprise. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the other the the game on my tattoo that we were talking about is Assassin's Creed, and I actually really love Assassin's Creed Origins. It's the first Assassin's Creed since Assassin's Creed two that has captured me so much. Um, that I'm thinking about it in my free time and I'm thinking about the characters and I'm thinking about what, where this game is going to go and what it's going to mean to me. Obviously, I haven't finished it yet, but, um, I'm choosing the evil within two, um, for a few reasons. Number one is I think it's better than Resident Evil seven based on what I've played. <laughs> um, so I, so I want to, I want to get a chance to get in there, but I, I also think it's a perfect example of how, a, a developer can learn lessons from their first game without kowtowing to a community that that shouldn't be telling a developer how they should develop games. Um, I could only stomach a few hours of Evil Within before I, I had to stop. Um, I found it cliched and trite. I found the dialogue absolutely ridiculous and stupid um, and stilted. I hated the f- the first female character that was introduced mm. as being a sh- really shitty kind of, of course, this is who is the female yeah. character on the police force. And then we, then we get into the whole idea about mental illness is bad. And of course, you know, a, a so-called insane asylum is the first place we're going to go for our horror. And I was just like, I'm done with you. And then suddenly something changed in evil within two which is that it wasn't any of those things. I'm not saying the dialogue is perfect, but it makes sense. The people, the things that people say make sense. The fears that people have make sense. And I'm, I'm obviously not usually a fan of a fridged character, of a fridged character as being, uh-huh. as being the, uh, the driving force between somebody's, between somebody's adventure, between, uh, somebody's development. 
But I think that the evil within two sort of works it out. Um, and, and they, they do so in part by, uh, by, by giving a weird sense of power, um, to the daughter who has been sort of taken from him. Number one, um, a, a sort of mystical, um, like industrial power that you don't really understand at first. Um, but she's hugely important. Um, and I think, I think that helps sort of diminish the idea of, of what's probably my main issue with the game actually is, is the fridging of a daughter. Um, but outside of that, it does this thing with, it manages to take you from sort of dimension to dimension to dimension um, without feeling contrived or without feeling like it's some sort of gimmick to do that. It feels like a very natural part of the way you move through the world is to find yourself in these weird, mysterious, occult places that you have to understand and make sense of. Uh-huh. Um, it takes it. The gameplay itself is the first time I've, I've had that Resident Evil 4 feeling of any game um, since Resident Evil 4 came out, even beyond Resident Evil 7. You know, I have this sense that I, I'm exactly in as much control as I need to be to figure my way out of difficult situations, but it is by no means a foregone conclusion or easy to do that. I always have to think about the tools at my disposal to do it. Um, it doesn't feel like, but I doesn't feel like I'm being held out, held back by, for example, overly long animations or things like that, that can irritate me about a Resident Evil game. Um, I think it makes use of its open-ish world to actually funnel you in really great ways. And it's just fucking scary sometimes, which is awesome. But it, so it does this. It handles the occult in a really great, in a really great way. Um, that also reminds me of Deadly Premonition. Um, not a polished game by any stretch, but, but <laughs> knew how to use a moment to great effect, how to use a visual to great effect, how to use some kind of strange and unexpected contraption sitting in front of you to great effect. Um, but not to do it in the way that we're hearing about, say, some of the, the press that's coming out about, uh, Far Cry 5, which is like, oh, here's a, here's a, you know, a scene fraught with emotion, but doesn't do anything with it. I feel like Resident Evil 2 is doing things with, with its imagery. And that means a lot. Um, and just the exploration aspect, the, the beauty of it. Um, it's just a gorgeous game to look at. Um, and to take me out of that cliched setting and to have characters say things that the translation is not always perfect, but they say things that sort of like, okay, yeah, this is what somebody would say in this circumstance. And when it comes to a Japanese horror game, I don't know that that's actually all that common. Um, and so it just all comes down to this game that I'm enjoying the hell out of because it gives me the perfect feelings of adventure of intrigue to make me want to know more of mystery where I don't know what's going to happen when I walk in. And then the site that I find is definitely not what I was expecting. And yet at the same time makes perfect sense. 
Um, so it, it, this is why it was between this and near for what I was going to play before this podcast. And I chose near instead. And I'm kind of bummed now because this was everything I had heard was coming. That was really good about this. Like I, it's funny. You mentioned learning mistakes from the past games. The bummer I think about a lot of this is I don't know if people gave the evil within two a chance because of that first game, right. because of how rarely people learn the lesson from the first game i mean just, it's, not that it's rough sales for yeah. this, but i know it didn't do well and i mean yeah where i near I mean, and it's funny because i mean i almost shot out near not because it's not near's not even in my personal top 10 but i feel like near deserves talking about um regardless yes. of how you sort of feel about it like i had a real hard time getting past the fact that it feels like a ps2 game that it's relatively <laughs> ugly in a lot of ways, and I can't stand all of the fucking uh, invisible walls that make me like mm. literally dislike the act of playing so much of Nier. But on the other hand, these aren't really the things that Nier is about. But it also broke my rule about a game needing to start awesome and, re- and remain awesome as opposed to becoming awesome, like super awesome so much later. So I want to get back to it. I mean, I mean, but- that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Nier starts, I think the start of Nier is fantastic, but I understand that for you, it, it, it didn't work out. Yeah, and, but I, but the thing is, I, I'm giving it the chance, but I haven't played enough of it to make me feel like I have anything meaningful to, to, sure. to put it on the list, but I feel like it's the kind of game yeah. that kind of should be on. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the thing it, is, it has been talked about in so many other spaces, so I think it's better for stuff like Songbringer and Butterfly Soup and even The Evil Within 2 to be discussed here. Um, I'm on my second playthrough of that game, so uh, the playthrough B, and struggling a little bit chugging through don't, it because it is Don't so stop. Don't, I know, stop. That's the pro- don't stop. The problem is I know it only gets better from here and a lot of this game has me. A lot of this sad robots the game really has me in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. Um, but the fact that playthrough B is so similar to playthrough A is a little bit of a struggle and I think um, 9S is an inherently less interesting character to play. Uh, so that's I won't stop, and eventually I'll have a stronger opinion about it. I think the first playthrough is good. I think what it's building up to and what I think it's going to do is worth talking about and worth having on this list. But yeah, I do think it has been discussed in so many other spaces that I don't mind going in a different direction with this podcast, even if it does deserve to be in a Tom, I think this might come down to you, right? Yeah, I just added the evil with it too, and we have one more game we need to add. Sorry. Yeah, I haven't played Nier, uh, which is weird because it's a platinum game, but I haven't played it, so I can't nominate it. And I also haven't played Persona 5, which uh, is a shame. And I didn't play enough Danganronpa 3, and I didn't play enough Finding Paradise, because those games are both awesome from what I've played. So I can't do any of those either. Uh, so I'm going to do a game that I loved called SteamWorld Dig 2. Mm. Uh, so this was a, game, a year where we had a lot of Metroidvanias, some of them Metroid, some of them sucked, <laughs> that are named Metroid. <laughs> Uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 is ostensibly a sequel to SteamWorld Dig, but it is very different and uh, kind of phenomenal in the way that they structure uh, level design and exploration, because it's a game about uh, digging underneath the ground, as you'd imagine, and carving your own paths through the tunnels 
is really awesome. It's a little terraria in that in that way where you're kind of figuring out how to get from A to B, and if you destroy a certain pile of dirt, you 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 can't actually get up to B because you destroyed the dirt that would let you get up there, which is kind of a a cool uh, I don't want to say punishment system, but kind of just like you gotta be careful where you dig. Um, but it's just tough for a Metroidvania game to stand out, and I thought this one did an excellent job of creating in uh, a world that looks beautiful and has an incredible soundtrack and makes you feel like this awesome digger under the world who's exploring and has no idea what you're going to find next. And I loved that feeling of exploration. I love the puzzles that are inherent to digging through the dirt and uh, winding like the perfect tunnel to your destination. So yeah, I think this is one of those like game that kind of gets lost along the way because it's a smaller scale game. Um, but I think launching on the Switch helped get a little footing uh, since you know they were they were hungry back then for Switch games. And I and I think that it is like one of those uh, Metroidvania games I'm going to go back to again and again, like something like Guacamelee or something like Axiom Verge, where they just like understand that exploration is the best part of that stuff. And when you couple exploration with uh, great audiovisual design, it's just like completely enthralling and enchanting game. And I, I love it. I can't wait to see what they do next because like every game they've made is better than the last of these, of this steam world franchise. So it's, it's really cool seeing how they, how they push the design over and over again. I don't know if anyone else even played this game. Sadly, no. No, I mean, all the reviews I read were really positive and definitely made it sound um, cool. Yeah, but no, I did not. I did not play it myself. I know it's also yeah. on PC. I need to get a yep. Switch so badly because it is on Switch, right? As you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where it started. What am I doing? It, it is an excellent game. And if you are wondering, yes, it is better than Super Mario. No. <laughs> we haven't wow. even talked the, about it. The game... The game that will not be nominated. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. okay with that. I'm right. okay with that. I'm, that I'm playing Mario too. right now, and as much as I love it, and I think it's endlessly inventive, uh, Galaxy is better. Oh, oh man! It's, yeah. it's, Galaxy is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Super Mario Odyssey is like the opposite of Zelda in that it's it's more and more and more crammed into stuff, and it's just it's too Boy. much. It's yeah, it's not as good as that silly paperclip game. On the, on <laughs> I feel like it took us two hours to get to the hottest hot take of this podcast so far. <laughs> no, it's it's like a it's a it's a fine yeah. game. It's fine. No, I'm, it's fine. Yeah, it's the, man, I, I didn't expect that to be. I know. I expected it to be on this list. I again, I haven't played it because I don't have a Switch. But um, that's yeah. I'd, I'd say it's the third best Mario game that came out oh this year. God. I don't think that's that hot of a take. <laughs> No, it isn't. Mario Rabbids is really good, and Mario Kart 8 is excellent. What? So. I, it's such a bummer that there's so many other games on this list. Yeah. I mean, we can't... If, if we wanted to go over all of these, we would be on here for six hours. Yeah. Just, I, we can't yeah. do, because like, I, I think Dead yeah. Cells yeah. is incredible and deserves to be on here. I, I, I'm sad we didn't yeah. talk about What Remains of Edith yep. Finch, um, which Pray. I really enjoyed. Prey uh, is a game that I know I need to get back to and finish, because some of what yep. I've heard about that game just sounds, and the situations that occur there sounds super super cool so i'm excited it's to get back to that wolfenstein 2 is incredible yeah, we didn't even have we didn't have tacoma on this list and yeah oh, i mean man. i like so, i like tacoma i really like, I like tacoma. tacoma but um and tacoma is interestingly like i would i would put it in a kind of double feature with uh night in the woods because they're both like human stories that are ultimately very concerned with 
labor and capitalism and corp, you know, and like corporations and things. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, um, it just wasn't at that, at, in that, in that range for me. I would say in a different year, Tacoma would definitely be a top 10. Maybe. But Tacoma's no gone home. In the same way that Persona 5's no Persona 4. And so that's one of the things that just like made those games not even a, a, a thing for me. I mean, I don't know, like some of these games, like Neo? That was on the list? Uh, so what a strange was... choice. <laughs> I have a um a list on my phone of games that I am currently playing this year and games that I've finished. And that was one of those, I'm like, I remember enjoying my time. And then after I put it on the list, I forgot to delete it. Because I was like, oh man, I remember streaming out the end of that game and just being like, fuck, you know, this game sucks. So no, Neo really doesn't belong on this list. Can I it up on it, but... Before we narrow... Do you want to do, you want to do some... We gotta cut some cutting. I removed two. Can I games. mention one thing before we do that that made yeah. me happy and want to hug all of you? Mm. And that is that Cuphead is nowhere on this list, oh. and oh. I've never been so happy about something not being there <laughs> because I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm the only person that doesn't think Cuphead Cuphead is great. So, I have not. Pl- I have not played Cuphead. To be perfectly honest, I have not played it at yeah. all. I think it so, looks really good. I mean, I I could wa- I've watched <laughs> I've watched streams of it for hours, just marveling at the the you know the, the animation, um, but I haven't played it at all. I I have no interest. I haven't played ukulele yet, so I'm not going to play God, something like Cuphead. I. Until I play. Not a bummer with ukulele though, from everything I've heard. Well, ukulele came out this week on Switch. Oh so. well, yeah. yeah I, I got to get a Switch. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to buy one. Um, okay. Anyway. Well, Anyway, yeah, there's yeah. still a lot to talk about with that list, but um, let's. So we need to do. So it's going to be a top ten list, and then two honorable mentions at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, boy. So so we should we should delete. Oh, so so scroll down on the um on the second page. I've just oh, have a final list. Now I've been doing that uh, a couple minutes ago. So. Should we mention what we're removing as we remove it, just so people know what what didn't make it oh, but got? Yes. Yeah. Um. Boy, I just don't know what to. Uh, so I currently have fifty-seven fifty-seven thousand paperclips. Um, my trust is at fifteen. My process is at seven. I think we should keep <laughs> Universal paperclips. Uh, oh, um, but you know nothing. I know Universal that's why I'm, but you, it has me invested. Nothing. It's, it's got me. I'm so ready to be involved <laughs> in this paperclip business, and that should stay. I oh god. I'm and down for I keeping should, Universal paperclips. We should sure. have the Resident Evil Seven my... versus Evil within two discussion. Um. Uh, see, my gut was we should cut uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn. That was my gut. Which is a weird thing because they're good, but uh, I wouldn't, I would, I mean, I didn't play Evil Within, but I read a lot about it and it seems amazing. And Resident Evil is yeah, amazing. I would, I do think, I'm fine having two horror games. I do think, I mean, Horizon was, you know, it's like that, it was just so overshadowed by Zelda, you know, it just came out and it's like, yeah. Right alongside Zelda, and everyone—I mean, almost everyone—was like, "Oh, yeah." I mean, Horizon's good, but you know, Zelda. But it's not Zelda. <laughs> yeah, it, it got, I just wanted to at least mention it. I'm glad it got. No, it no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I, I really—I mean, I really liked it. I, I really liked it. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, know. I'm okay with losing Songbringer because I know I'm the only person that played it. Oh, 
Um, well, that doesn't matter. It sounded it sounded incredible. It's really it's strategy. really great, but I also think that of even of my choices, it's the weakest. So if we're if we come to an impasse about what to lose, what two to lose, I'm not shedding tears over Songbringer. I I feel like okay. the three that we're looking at to lose are the Horizon Song, we have Horizon Songbringer, and SteamWorld Dig Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I mean, Steam. Uh, yeah, I'd say. Uh, I put a vote towards losing SteamWorld Dig Two, um, because I mean, I, I because I trust Tom. I believe that it's a game that, like, just being mentioned in this list is like the reward, right? Like, it's yeah. a, and it's like like a totally great game that people should play, but maybe not one special enough that needs to be um, set, you know, established yeah. on this list. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Well, Kevin, as you've played at least, uh, you've played a chunk of Horizon. I, I, would you prefer to have Horizon or Songbringer on this list? Well, it's almost unfair because Songbringer meant more to me than Horizon Zero Dawn. But I've also played a whole lot more of Songbringer than Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. So I don't know that I... I mean, the reason that I would rather see Horizon Zero Dawn off the list is because its sense of discovery waits a while. Whereas Songbringer's sense of discovery is immediate. Um, and that, that might be part of the reason why I'd go with Songbringer, but I feel like yeah. I'm not really being fair. Well, <laughs> I, and I, as the person who even nominated Horizon, I'm okay with it not being, like, if we did this, sorry for everyone who's listening and not watching, if we did this and we just made these two honorable mentions instead, I would be, not the order of this list yet, but I'm okay having, our 10 games be mm-hmm. The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Pyre, Resident Evil 7, PUBG, Hellblade, Night in the Woods, Universal Paperclips, Songbringer, Butterfly Soup, <laughs> and The Evil Within 2. <laughs> some of this yeah, is making me smile because some of, it's per- some of it's like super, yeah, of course, and some of it's like we're very charming for choosing some of the things we That's chose. That's why this is my favorite podcast to do every mm-hmm. year is because these lists always come out like really charmingly ridiculous where it's like the legend of zelda is next to universal paperclips you're like yeah that makes sense that's how video games well it should i mean it should act like they it shouldn't be weird to have games of such different scope and uh and you know gameplay intent and everything be in the consideration for the best games of the year i mean it is weird but it shouldn't be weird I agree. I mean, I think uh, it's weird that Divinity Original Sin Two is not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I is not I here. But it's, but what does is. one do? Yeah. In yeah. spirit, um, it's our it's everybody's it game year. of the year. I'll, I'll I'll play it next year. None of I'll you play, played play your your colleagues' game. <laughs> I mean, you like know, those how rude! You were my friends, and you're like, I've got no interest in playing Kevin's game. No. It's really I, it's long. Just that the, those RPGs, I, 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 I don't know how to approach them. I don't know how to approach them. But yeah. Well, one I, thing is, you go to Steam and you click on the install button. Oh, oh, okay, all right. Well, huh. if you want to give us Christmas gifts, you can give us <laughs> oh, your game. Actually, I might have some leftover codes for a few. Oh, of you. what? It's, it's game of the year. <laughs> That's all I'd say. This is just exactly how my review career went. Just give me the code. Game of the year. Kidding. Um, I. So we need to order these. Yeah. Um, before this. Can I just ask a? I don't want to out Sorry. anyone. Can I just ask a question? 
who the hell put Destiny 2 on this list? Um, you know the Neo conversation we had earlier about games <laughs> that I threw on there? Um, put Destiny 2. Oh, I think man. Destiny 2 is pretty bad, so... Uh, d- okay, like, thank you. Okay, for whoever listened to this point and you heard me mention those two games as, like, in this list, it's mostly a mistake. Okay, like, I, I'm going to say that as somebody who played Destiny 2 as a single-player game, as long as I enjoyed all of the words that were ever said out loud... In Destiny 2, I actually had a good time playing that. It would never, ever make a, a list like this for me, but I at least <laughs> think it's an improved game, and uh-huh. the, the process of playing it was fun. I just didn't remember what it was like the moment I turned off the game, which Maybe is, like, some I think, of the a, worst a problem. writing in a video game. Yes, I have but it's also all year. gorgeous, and it's also really well paced from a shooter standpoint so yes. I, so i'm not so i'm not gonna totally knock destiny 2 it's like a good 0.5 better <laughs> than so the it's original. like a is it like a seven it's like a 6.5 or a seven yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well right, 6.5 or 7 does not make this list um and yeah the writing jesus christ <laughs> it's I'm so sorry. bad like, i'm sorry if whoever wrote that game is listening to this i don't think it's you are so just bad. like i don't think david cage is it's really bad it's very bad. Um, oh, David Cage okay. would look at that and be like, "Who wrote those sentences?" <laughs> like, this is so deep. This is this is unheralded. Uh, God. Anyway, uh, anyways, we have we have to get back to back to yeah. yeah. Focus. Um, get yes. back to this. Oh, I so part of this list I think is correctly ordered in how I think this is going to go. From every all the conversation we had earlier, it felt like Breath of the Wild had the most passion behind it. Um, it's really My vote good. Might be pyre. Um, oh, I know. Wow. That's your game it's of the cool. year. I, you know what's it's weird. I came into this not really knowing and I'm still it's I'm not entirely sure. Like it is between Pyre, PUBG and Resident Evil 7 for me. Um huh. and I don't entirely know. But you haven't played Breath I have of the not, Wild. So that could entirely flip. I haven't played a Zelda game since the one I la- the last one I played all the way through was Majora's Mask. Um which came out in two Yeah, I loved it, and Ocarina of Time, and I love Zelda. I just haven't had Nintendo consoles in a while, okay. which is my bad. I love Mario too, but um, okay, I I do feel like not to just like reveal it all now. I feel like that's the game that is going to get the most yeses for the best game of the year, unless I'm interpreting things incorrectly. Kara, what's your personal game of the year? My personal game of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, my personal game of the year is Butterfly Soup, but I, but it's not, but I think, I think Breath of the Wild belongs at the top of this list. And I was just curious what, I mean, cause Kevin and I are, are actual favorite games <laughs> Breath of the Wild, which is yeah. kind of. When's that ever happened? Kind of but it's, well, like it's, it's not just like the game I think should be, like it's actually my favorite, like, enjoy right, right. Yeah, right, totally. Right, yeah. 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 No, Zelda's probably going to be number five on my personal top five, top five okay. list. I'm just moving stuff around really quickly. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there, and we're gonna kind of see how this lands I, for people who. It's, it's funny every every game that I look at on this list, I'm like, well, that should be high. yeah. Mm-hmm. That should that's be my high. like it's yeah. every single because it's like what mm-hmm. like I don't know what I would put yeah. in for this list because this is like this this is a really good year. It really was. Really yeah, yeah, better than 2016. Um, I know. Sure. And 2016 was strong. That's the thing. Like though. My favorite game from last year would be Game of the Year this year too, because Imbroglio is better than Zelda. <laughs> I forgot but, about that game. 
yeah, I still play it every day. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Zelda is, is an well, all-timer. Okay, let me just read this list currently, and then we can adjust it from there. I moved a few things around. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not final. So we have uh, Zelda at the top. So Zelda number one, number two, Pyre, number three, Hellblade, number four, Night in the Woods, number five, Resident Evil 7, number six, PUBG, number seven, Universal Paperclips, number eight, Butterfly Soup, number nine, The Evil Within 2, and number 10, Songbringer. This seems like a pretty good list, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd sign off on that. I would move, I would switch Pyre and Hellblade. Uh, Oh, all right. Mm. That's not not that not that drastic. No, it's not that drastic of a change. It's two, yeah, two and three for those. Yeah. I think, but uh, I think I think Josiah and I would both keep Pyre above Hellblade. I think so, just barely, yeah. and that yeah. that might change next year. Unfortunately, when I play all of Hellblade, but oh, Pyre definitely. Yeah. I know that's the problem about doing these lists. But I so the weird thing is these this is these games are one and two for sound design, yeah. aren't they? And then we have them yeah. two and three overall. Like this is it's a yeah. good year for sound design. Hell, you're not going to get better the better sound design with these. With I mean, I these. think this list is Evil Within sure Two is better than Resident Evil Seven. I'm just saying. Yeah, that was the I, I was waiting but, for one last kind of poop. But no, but no, it's not a poop because I think Resident Evil Seven is quite good. I have no complaints with any of these games. Um, maybe it's just because I'm sad that of my because of the the three choices that I got um, that two of them are the last two. <laughs> maybe, oh, yeah. maybe i'm just maybe i'm just a little sad yeah. about that but other other than that yeah. that's a fantastic freaking list right, yeah it on. is let me let me try one thing <laughs> this is my last possible edit let's go don't put this don't humor me here. by changing anything seriously what if we do that and we have like a, a kevin oh, yeah, sandwich. i mean butterfly I can... soup it's amazing that butterfly soup is even on this list so you know what do you, what do you think about a silly paperclip game being above butterfly what about soup? <laughs> universal paperclips being higher up better than super mario odyssey that's well, the way it, it, i mean clearly like, just it objectively is. it's better <laughs> I, I it's it's a better game I'm it's sorry, a more mario. focused game it's a game that has something to say that is this is not the way i thought this would go um i knew there'd be some interesting choice i love all of this this might be my favorite list out of all of them that we've done so far it's a good list um, it really is read it one last time mm-hmm. and then we'll, right. we'll lock it in if we're all good all right, uh so the the 1099's third annual game of the year award list top 10 2017 that's exactly how i'm gonna write it all that clunkiness um, number one, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number two, Pyre. Number three, Hellblade. Number four, Night in the Woods. Number five, Resident Evil 7. Number six, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Number seven, Universal Paperclips. Number eight, The Evil Within 2. Number nine, Butterfly Soup. And number 10, Songbringer. With honorable mentions, Steamworld Dig 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn. And Caro in the distance shouting, and also play Near all the way to the end. <laughs> Near is really good. I will. I man, I love everything about this. It's so weird seeing Horizon down there since it's like this awesome game. But... There's a lot of awesome games yeah. this year. So there's this. <laughs> yeah. So there's this weird so thing I'm doing right now with GameSpot. So so life changes when you make video games and don't write about video games anymore. You may have figured, but GameSpot's doing this thing this year where they announce one game every day. And so now they, they've got their top five as near 
What Remains of Edith Finch, Hellblade, Wolfenstein 2, and Horizon Zero Dawn, which I think are all actually quite worthy games to be mentioning in a top ten list. Uh, but we're at the stage where, okay, are we going to show up? Where are we going to show up? And like, what happens if we're not in the top ten? How will we feel? You're gonna, you're gonna well, be in the top it? ten. They gave you, they gave <laughs> no, you a, the half. To they me. gave your game a ten. You're gonna be in the top, in the top five. See, okay? but what's it not? Just what's nice is I thought that Horizon could be one of those spoiler games where that because I, I feel like Gamespot has a tendency to love big budget open world games, right? Like that's just sort of a, a common theme in games that get really highly rewarded. So I actually had this thought that, okay, Nintendo is going to dominate the first two, and I'm hoping that Divinity hits number three, but I was really thinking that there was going to be that one game to go in there and spoil it, and there were two that I thought could do it. One was Horizon Zero Dawn, and now that's out of the equation. The other is Persona 5. And so I feel if like we can surpass Persona 5... Then we'll Persona 5 I'll be is, happy. Yeah, it's so overshadowed by Persona Four, though. Like Persona Five came out, it's like, yeah, it's great, but it's not Persona Four, and it doesn't push things past Persona Four. You know, yeah. it's like so. I, I really Persona feel like Persona Five, while every while people really admire it and and enjoy it, it also doesn't. It also doesn't. It feels a bit like a letdown, or at least like not the revelation that four was right and so i the don't writing in that game is bad yeah well and to be perfectly so. honest i think there are two better jrp i mean let's presume that we can call near a jrpg which which is what my mind classifies it as but there's certainly some mm. some some <laughs> you know some discussion to had about that but if i were yeah. to call it a jrpg then i would say that there were two that were better and those would be near <laughs> and uh, the Final Fantasy XII remake, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm hope I'm I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful that we land in top three. I have no, absolutely no sense. I think it'll be top that three. we will ever that we could beat either two of of the of the Nintendo games because Zelda's just going to be everybody's number one. Would 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 anyone else be super pumped if that dumb paperclip game? <laughs> It just keeps coming back to me, that game. <laughs> Damn you, Can you imagine how GameSpot readers would react, react if, like, number universe. two was Universal Paperclips? <laughs> See, the oh, thing, my God. There's no graphics. I will yeah. say no that there's graphics. something weird that we have at our studio right now <laughs> that I think everybody sort of aspires to. And, you know, like, we made a, we made a game that, that's not... It's hardly perfect. And when you make a game... You see far more things that you hate than players do. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but yeah. So, but it's interesting to me. Uh, I have no idea what I was about to say. I was just getting so worked up about, about the game. Um, but no, no, oh, here was, I was going to say is that I feel like we still manage this weird place in the PC gaming space where we still get the benefit of the doubt, whether deserved or undeserved by the, by, by the core kind of community that sort of follows what we do. And that's really, really rare. And I feel like that kind of, cause it was interesting looking at PC gamers like choice, right? So they chose our game as game of the year 
And you're looking through the user comments, kind of bracing yourself for the bullshit that comes. And what's kind of nice about it is that we still have enough of the goodwill that people are like, yeah, this was the right choice. Yeah. And so far, I'm like going down. It's like, oh, God, everybody's just giving us positive reinforcement. (laughs) And I feel like there's going to come a time, you know, as we get bigger and, you know, like reveal the next projects in the works and stuff like that, where... I always worry that we're going to we're going to like kind of drop into that bioware place where we go from beloved to absolutely despised in the drop of a hat. And I'm always well, this really is the time when I, it happens. You're not even on our top. Right. I always 99 is the one that's starting. I'm always trend. really worried about this. But so so far, I'm pretty happy about things. Again, I'm sorry. I got a little I got a little personal and a, and a, and no, a little fine. bit like, uh, oh, what about our game? But uh, well, I feel bad that we didn't talk more about that game because from everything I've heard, it, it belongs on. This but list. I know, I know um, that none of you have played it, and so it would be silly for this game to show up on the list. Well, when we get our Christmas present codes, it's then true. we'll be able to play it, and then next year it'll be on the like when we expand this list to games we totally and I, should have. Played and I do hope year. you like it um, because it's been a hell of a year um, for all of us at the studio, and it's been mm-hmm. this huge, like, life changing everything for me like to move yeah. across the world um and to suddenly like and have no idea like how the game you're working on is actually going to turn out i had faith because you know i loved the original original sin <laughs> um it was my personal game of the year that year but of course when you have that moment you're like never oh someday i'm gonna work for them you know it's not like yeah. this was the thing at the time, it was like, no, this is just the best game of the year. And it got totally overshadowed by, you know, lesser things like Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, man. And uh, our game of the year that year was Shadow of Mordor, which was uh, I'm still irritated about. We didn't even bring up but that that's sequel a, in this conversation. Well, no, because it's not good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. Although I yeah. do miss some of those I mean, off those those crazy conversations that uh, Kara was talking about, my favorite being is Vanquish better that, than Halo Five or Halo Reach. Still, still the most contentious conversation we ever had in those meetings. I'm I'm still shocked that we didn't put Minecraft in the top ten, <laughs> but now that Notch turned out, yeah, to- yeah maybe in the <laughs> end that's like for a while that wasn't aging well, but now maybe it's actually really aging well. Yeah. We, we Demon, knew. <laughs> Demon Souls is still the best choice we ever made, and I I will believe that till the day I die. That in our time together, yeah. Demon Souls was the best choice over Arkham Asylum, Assassin's Creed Two. Oh no, that was uh, Uncharted Two. Left for Dead Two came out that year. Like I think we, I think yeah, I think we were very prescient uh, in that one. Yeah. So, well. Hopefully yep. we are here too. Hopefully also this. Well, we took we took the safest. Yeah, super you know, awesome. On the rest of the list, we took chances. We, we sure did. Didn't take a yes, chance at did. the biggest we spot. And I yeah, hope that we, this scratched the this, itch of those. Old I think this list will stand the test of time. Is it too late to choose I Universal so. Paper Clips yep. for number one? I feel like, it's, <laughs> like yeah. In in our heart, it's the winner. But then like our mind <laughs> is telling us that Zelda should probably be at the top of the list. Um, I'll edit everything out. I'll mix everything up so the entire conversation will just be about us talking about how Universal Paperclips is the best <laughs> game, game of, of all the time, year, which is 
how we all nominated it three times. <laughs> Just two and a half hours of like, let me tell you something about these paper clips. They're universal and they're the game of the year. I'm currently at 135,000 yeah. paper clips. Um, I'm gonna probably leave this on the rest of the Dude, day. Dude, you cannot just walk away from that. You have to, you have I to know. stare at it like you stare at the clothes dryer when you're drying your clothes and you just can't tear <laughs> your eyes away. And then something's gonna happen. Josiah, something will happen and then you will have to make decisions. And if you don't, the game will let you know that you're slacking. Oh my god, I'm gonna call everyone at two in the morning and be like, we made a mistake, this is the real best game of the year, everything's (laughs) happening. Uh, So yeah, congratulations to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the 2017 Game of the Year, according to the 1099 podcast. Um, So it's this, it's Overwatch, and it's Bloodborne, and all of that has aged well so far in my mind. Um, Totally. So, thanks everyone for taking two and a half hours of your Saturday. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Kevin, you are at FiddleCub on I am. Twitter. Uh, we have uh, Carol, you are at Carolyn Michelle on Twitter. Tom, you are at Tom McShay. Um, I yes. am at Josiah Renauden. And man, uh, hopefully next year will be just as good as this year because this has been incredible. Like, there's still so many things I want to play. And what I played already I is know. some of the, my favorite stuff the last five years. Agreed. Um, yeah. Yay. Video yeah, games are good. Games. Everything else is pretty bad lately, but video games are pretty good. Um, oh yeah which is a good and bad theme for this year so thanks everyone again thanks everyone for listening this is a long podcast hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099